in five, four, three, two, one. Obi Trice, real name, no gimmicks. Who are you? He had a voice that could make a Wolverine purr. That's what I'm talking about, man. Wait a minute, I know you. Check out the name tag. You're in my world now, Grandma. I know that, dude. He's a modern-day Yoda. I'm your huckleberry. Allow myself to introduce myself. Greetings and salutations. We came, we saw, we kicked it down. You're excited. Feel these nipples. That boy's good. Mm-hmm. Good and terrible. Well, I have a microphone, and you don't. So you will listen to every damn word I have to say! This is the Mike Rutherford Show on the Big X. Sportos, motorheads, geek bloods, wasteoids, dweebies, they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. Welcome in, everybody. It is Thursday, July 13th, and this is the Mike Rutherford Show coming to you once again from the remote University of Louisville College of Business Studios here in swarmy, swampy, hot Jeffersonville, Indiana. Visit business.louisville.edu to see what the UofL College of Business can do for you. If you'd like your MBA and like to get it in as little time as possible, UofL College of Business can hook you up with an MBA in just 12 months. Visit business.louisville.edu to see how that can happen. We're on the air today from 3 until 6 here on 1450 AM, 96.1 FM, streaming everywhere. You know it better as the Big X. Mike Rutherford here with uh, Justin Kalen, a.k.a. Scooter Dingus, back again filling in for the departed Trevor Kelsey. Scoots, I haven't, like, usually when Trevor does one of these, you know, he's, he's off for a week, he's doing God knows what, I feel like I hear from him. He's, like, chiming in with it. I barely have heard from Trevor this entire week. I don't know if he's gotten in touch with you. I don't know what's going on. Uh, that makes two of us. I barely spoke to him as well. I actually had to hit him up earlier because I went and grabbed some lunch with my mom. It's her birthday today. Shout out, Mom. Um, happy birthday, Mom. Absolutely. Mama Scoots deserves a happy birthday. But, no, so I get back to the studio. Luckily, it was in plenty of time. I got back here about 2.30 or so, and I open up our computer. Your whole show folder is just gone. Just ab- gone. Mm-hmm. I've, I've, I looked mm-hmm. everywhere on this computer. I searched everywhere I could. So I had to scramble, put together some commercial breaks, and find your open real quick. So I reached out to Trevor for that, see if he'd ever experienced that. And, yeah, of course, I called him about six times and no answer. So How does that happen? I, I, yeah, I don't know. I, mean, I, I told you when you walked in, I think we're being sabotaged. Not the first time. The Rutherford Show has been targeted. I, there are big ex-bullies within this radio station. I think we've all <laughs> agreed on that. I come in sometimes. My my stuff's thrown on the floor. Uh, you, but the, the card that we put up here just got thrown down. Trevor's poster was defaced. And, you know, the, the throwing away my stuff over at the other studio. Who knows what's going on here? I mean, I know Trevor can get into stuff remotely. Maybe it's Trevor trying to to prove his worth while he's gone. He's upset that you saved the day yesterday with the stream. Well, I mean, maybe I mean that's kind of what I was thinking. Is it had to be somebody like accidentally deleting it or maybe just going in and just doing it on purpose like well, you said so here i mean i, I don't think frank's would, coming over and just yeah, like messing with I the computers wouldn't, i wouldn't think so either and i'm not trying to blame frank at all i mean trevor's more likely than frank let's be honest one thousand times more likely yeah. i don't know but something's happening here really weird targeted harassment continues here of the mike rutherford show but 
you once again saved the day. You got everything up and going, and we got on the air uh, almost right on time. Almost. Almost, on almost time. right on the yeah. usual time. So that's all good. We want to hear from you today on the Thornton's text line. 502-414-1450 is the Thornton's text line. Thornton's hooking up with the best deals all summer long here in the city of Louisville. Stop by any of the 45,417 area Thornton's locations. Use the Refreshing Rewards app. Become a Refreshing Rewards member. You'll save money at the pump. You'll save money inside. You'll save money everywhere uh, at all the Thornton's locations. And then after you save that money, you'll be so happy. You'll be so excited. You'll want to text us about it. And you can do so at 502-414-1450. It is another Lazy Thursday here. It's it is. I know I said it in the intro. It's ungodly hot outside. It is. Yeah. It's one of those days where, like I, I'd heard about it. We had the babysitter over. My wife. They're, they're like, oh, it's so hot. It's so hot. I left the house for the first time at like eleven to go pick up Virginia from school, and like it hits you like, oh my god. Like <laughs> she was just not ready for it. It just takes your breath away. Uh, one of those just mid-July days. Very well, swampy out here. It's disgusting. We were supposed to get some storms today. Like It shouldn't happen. Yeah, should be raining right now. So that kind of worries me for later. The hotter it gets, the worse the storms can get. So hopefully we can avoid all that. Scooch, have you always lived around this area? Uh, Yeah, with the exception of five and a half years in Bloomington. And then I lived for in Florida for about five and a half. So, so Florida... A for bit, about 70% of my life, I've been around this area. Yeah. A little bit of experience. I'm always intrigued when people who aren't who are from like hot places in america but where the air is still it, it's it's thinner it's the dry heat yeah when they come down oh, down here or up here whatever the case may be they're blown away by how different it feels like my best friend lived in dallas for the last nine years he just moved to michigan and they would have you know, they'd come and visit in the summer and they'd be leaving like 109 degree heat in dallas and he would get here and it'd be 93 but he'd be like, this is worse. I feel like I'm swimming through the air. Yeah. This is disgusting. It is the just the heaviness of it all this time of the year that I think just kills people. And it's been a it, it's been a rough, rough few weeks. And I say that I don't I, I shouldn't be complaining because it's been a relatively mild summer. Very yeah. Up to this point. We've had a lot of rain. It's just been really humid, which is the problem today. Do not care for the humidity. And that was that was my problem in Florida as well. I lived in Jacksonville and that was really humid. So it was just as it bad was, down there. It was pretty similar to here, yeah. Okay. But I mean, once I when I got down there, it was it was funny. So when I first got down there, I remember I would I would not use my AC. I would put my windows down and I'd ride around like that and I would just gawk at all the Florida people that rode around in the AC. And then by the time I left Florida, I never rode with the windows down. I was <laughs> I was definitely an AC guy. You got to be an AC guy. Speaking yeah. of AC, we just had, I, I've mentioned before, like we have one of those classic St. Matthew's houses where you got three floors. And if you have the, if, if you have the temperature set on the main floor at 72 in our house, which is typically about where it is in the summer, the, the main floor is probably going to be close to that. It's going to be around 72. The basement is like 55. It, it's freezing. Nice. I, I, I use a heater down there every day when I'm working. And then upstairs is like 87. It's the hottest thing in the world. So I sleep upstairs uh, these days with our current sleeping arrangements with the kids and just trying to figure out how to best handle this. And it is ungodly hot. My dad has an early birthday present. My birthday's not till next month, but got me an air conditioning unit to put in the window up there. It's changed my life already. Sweet. It's loud as hell. I can't watch the TV anymore, but I, I wake probably up probably helps you sleep. It, feel, it feels good. I wake up in the middle of the night. I'm not just like my legs aren't killing me. I'm not uh, dripping sweat. I don't feel it, 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 is, it is a complete life changer. Now it's one of those like it's it's a little bit of an eyesore because it's the window. It's the you know, it's like sticks out of the window. Mm-hmm. You do kind of feel like, yeah, like <laughs> what are people thinking? But I don't really care at this point because I can sleep through the night now. What I, kind of housing do they call that? Like government housing? 
A lot of government housing has those has window the old units. AC units. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it does have it has that feel to it, but <laughs> got to do what you got to do. So I'm, I'm sleeping more comfortably now. But the, we're trying to get through the heat as much as we can. We're trying to get through this dead period in sports. I say that. We do, however, have UofL Athletics today to talk about. We've got the UofL women round two, game two of their global jam run up there in Canada is going to happen. It's actually going to happen while we're on the air, at least the first part of it. Uh, they'll tip things off at 530 and if you want to watch this one, you don't have to find a stream. You don't have to follow along on Twitter. CBS Sports Network has national TV coverage of today's game between uh, Team USA and, and Team Canada up there uh, in Toronto. So that'll be a good time. We'll keep you updated here. I know you can. Like, we're, I, I asked Troy, I was like, are we going to carry the, the game? Are we going to cut away for it? Is, is you know, one of our sister stations going to carry it? And he said, no, I, I think 93.9 will have it if you want to listen to it. But don't, don't, you know, don't, don't, don't do that till 6. Yeah. Stick with us until 6. Absolutely. And then if you want to listen to the, the game over there, you can do so. The best thing to do is keep us on your radio, flip on the TV to CBS Sports Network, and multitask. You can do it. It's 2023. <laughs> Make it happen. Now, does, you would know better than I would. Does, does UK play its second game today, or are they off until tomorrow? Uh, yeah, they play tonight at 8 o'clock, but it is a tape-delayed game. That's the tape-delayed yeah. game that they're all upset at about. At midnight, yeah. So the, and this is the game. I mean, I'm assuming they're playing the Canadian team as well because I know yeah. that they play Africa this weekend. Yeah. So, kind of weird that this is the tape delayed game because I'm guessing this is probably the best team they're going to face. If I just had that seems to be the consensus. I yeah. would assume it's Canada. You know, they're the host country. They've produced some pretty big basketball talent in recent years. I would assume this would be the biggest one. So they kind of. But that that sucks. You have to wait tape delay. It's like it's 1997 again. Oh, there's there's all kinds of illegal streams going to be out there though. I did. I've already seen one or two today. <laughs> I did hear. It was funny listening. Like I said, like I don't listen to a ton of sports radio. I do try to flip it on when I'm driving around during the day for whatever reason. So when I was going to pick up Virginia from school, I did. I was flipping around. This was post KRC was already over, so I was not I was not neglecting KRC. But I did flip over to Matt Jones was on. It was like 1140. Mm-hmm. And I did hear him try to do everything he could to like dance around the fact that like, you can find an illegal stream out there. <laughs> like, he's like, we'll have it on at, at, at KS, KSR Bar. We'll have, uh, you know, you, you can listen to it on the radio. I think that there's some some links out there that, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to give my my vote of confidence too, but I think you could find, I was like, we all, we all know what's going on. See, we were the exact opposite. You're, we, you're we, giving out. We, we weren't directly giving, we weren't giving them out, but we were like, yeah, there's, there's going to be streams and we'll watch them and pass that along. That's you know, that's what you have to do. <laughs> I'm, I'm always appreciative. Here's what I do when I need a stream. If it's not, there's, if, if it's not on a site that I already know, like sports surge.net is the, the site, every baseball stream. It's the, yeah, there used to be a great Reddit page. It was like MLB streams. They had NHL streams. And like they would just, you could click on a game and people would chip in and send you, just post a link. And it was great. Mm-hmm. And then those got shut down. And so they've all gone to like Sports Surge, which is, it works most of the time. But if not, you can usually just like Twitter search and you can search yeah. the game and the word link. And you'll find, I mean, you'll have, to, you'll have to search through a ton of bogus links. But eventually you'll find somebody asking for it and somebody providing it. So free illegal advice here on the, on the Thursday Mike Rutherford show. If you want to watch the UK game tonight live. You can find a way to make that happen. Just know that. Uh, but we don't have it, – it, it is still relatively barren in the rest of the sports world. We did get a, a nice little olive branch today, a nice little gulp of water from Jeff Brom talking to the media. I do want to play that later on in the show, and then we can react to it. Uh, Brom talked about a number of things, uh, mainly just trying to give an update on on how the summer has gone, how he feels about things as we get ready for fall camp. and Fall camp now – 
less than a month away, 50 days away from kickoff between Louisville and Georgia Tech. Wow. We do that top 100 countdown every every year on Card Chronicle. We're halfway home now. Shout out to my guy, Cardinal Strong, who's killing it as always. Do y'all do the player jersey number? Yeah. And then you. So who is the player today? I don't Whoever number 50 is on the team. Oh, so you use current players only? He does. He'll do a picture where it's like a jersey number from a former player, mm-hmm. but then the actual the story the he focuses in on whoever the actual players that wears that uniform. It's gotcha. like it's kind of like a better know a cardinal type deal. Um, and I, I guess today I guess we don't have a fifty. <laughs> so, <laughs> there so, goes that. So he basically just talked about Jeff Brom was was, was was what happened. But yeah, usually it's it's a and, and this thing I probably get more reaction from former and current players and as well as families of players than I do with anything else because the parents of you know like the, the third string long snapper this is their their boy's time to shine yeah. so they'll send me in like highlights of his long snapping from high school to <laughs> to use in the post I'm like I don't do the post but I can send it along to 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 John if he wants to and then if if you don't use a picture of a former player and you use somebody else who's like 89 like like Scott Radcliffe got all pissed off cuz he wasn't 89 this year I was like Scott. I, I don't pick the picture, man. It's gonna be we, there. Other people have worn the number. We can't. Just, Alex Cupper was like, "What the hell? I'm not. I'm not 66 this year." I'm like, "Sorry, guys. I don't know what you want me to do." But uh, yeah, we do that. We're at 50 now. We're halfway home. You can see the light at the end of the tunnel. We're getting there, and like we've talked about a number of times, once you get to August, you start getting more practice reports. It starts feeling like football is actually here. We'll have media day stuff to discuss. You'll get more from the basket on the basketball side of things. I am. Insanely jealous. I love having Jeff Walls and the U of L women playing actual games to discuss, especially in a year where they've got nine new scholarship players. We can get to know the players a little bit before the actual season rolls around. But I am insanely jealous. Like KRC, and you know this, they've had no shortage of stuff to talk about all summer long. No, they've. Had, I mean, they've had the, the. There's been the basketball brouhaha, Calipari versus Matt Jones, and you know, is Calipari done? And and who's eligible? The Antonio Reeves saga, and now injuries, and now they, they get actual games to discuss. Like they're they've had stuff. It, it's felt like normal radio. Yeah, that, that's what I was thinking. You know, it, they keep saying we're in summer radio, but we really haven't had a summer radio episode yet. They, it, yeah, I mean, it's every day. There's like yeah. stuff going on, and. You know, the the old adage is you never want to be making news in July or June if you're a college, which is typically true unless, unless it's, good news. Unless it's recruiting unless stuff. Unless it's but, Trey Mitchell. Yeah, but but for the most part, when you have big-time news in July, I know this is a UofL fan, it's like, oh, this guy got a DUI, or this guy's not coming, or, <laughs> you know, it's just it, it's something terrible like that. What's Ruben Owens doing with his tattoo? Well, where's <laughs> – what area codes could he possibly get inked over that that would make it still work? This year, I mean, we've had – no news, and people are desperate for stuff. Like, like we had TJ Capers a couple of days ago, which was good. And Jeff Brom did talk about TJ today and how he fits into their plans. And it was he kind of we'll, we'll get there. He threw a little bit of of water on the fire there with TJ Capers saying he's been he's been a little bit banged up. We're not expecting him to make a huge impact, but we'll see. Um, but for the most part, it's been all quiet on the Western Front, and we haven't gotten really any updates locally from Kenny Payne. Uh, that's been a source of discussion. Uh, he did the, the, the podcast interview that we talked about. But you've got Calipari doing interviews now. You've got actual games. Like Kentucky's had no shortage of stuff to talk about. And now they have actual games. And I, I don't for the life of me understand why every team that has a, a chance to do one of these overseas tours, and I know that I, I get that Kentucky's isn't an overseas tour. Technically, this doesn't count for their 
foreign trip. They're representing USA. Same with Jeff Walls and the U of L women. But Louisville hasn't gone on one of these since before the 2015 16 team, really? summer of 2015. Chris Mack, Chris Mack at least addressed it. Like he said he didn't like the foreign trips because he felt like with the new rules that now allow them to, to have so many hours of actual practice during the summer, you can have basically like one full practice you want every single week for the entire summer. He said he felt like they, he could accomplish more with his individual stuff during the summer than he could with, with foreign trips and playing actual games. Now, in hindsight, maybe yeah, that, that, worked that, that, that didn't work out too well for him. Kenny Payne, I don't think he's even been asked about it. I, I don't know if this has ever come up, but he can, and you'd love to with a group that, like the U of L women, has so many new moving parts, so many not just freshmen, but, but transfer players coming in who are going to play big roles, guys coming back that are going to adjust to a, again, basically entirely different roster. Like I would love to see this team compete against, even if it were like the old teams that we played in the Bahamas, with the Bellhop playing and the you know, the Real Deal Shockers and the teams that the U of L blasted back in 2012. Puerto Rico, they had more of a challenge when they went there. But just some competition, just some team-building stuff going on with a foreign trip. And I don't know. I, I would love for that question to be asked. If we ever do get another local Kenny Payne interview, uh, somebody being like, what's your philosophy on these foreign trips? Would you like to take one sometime soon? Because not only would it be fun for the fans, and I say fun for the fans, if we – if this team lost to the real deal shockers or the the Bahamas national team by 30, the fan base would be sent into spontaneous combustion. But we would have stuff to talk about. I think it would be a a solid blessing for this team. It'd be a nice little team building thing. The chemistry would be ahead of schedule. The system would be ahead of schedule. And uh, we're one of those programs that just doesn't seem to take those anymore. But wouldn't, really get it. wouldn't you have wanted that? Would you have wanted that to be this summer, though? Because I feel like you still have got to let Kennedy get his – can he get his feet under him, you know? I mean, you're coming off a four-win season. It's You could argue that the guy doesn't even know how to coach yet. I would want and now to you be... want to send him overseas. I, th- I think you give him one more year. I could see him doing it next year. If he's here next year. If he's here like, next this year. Is a, yeah. This is a huge season for whether or not he's going to get a, a third year. If, and if he's not, it, that could be a big alert to get the next coach. Hey, man, we're going to uh, the Bahamas preseason. You want to wanna come? I, I just think... Let's assume for the sake of assuming that Kenny Payne is going to be able to build this program the way that he wants to, the way that he said his intention was on the Rothstein podcast with a lot of younger guys, the old school way, the right way in his words, a lot of recruits coming in, getting better, becoming big-time college players over the course of two or three years, occasionally bringing in a transfer or two, but for the most part, bringing in young guys, letting them get older, letting them learn the system, letting them carry the banner for the program. This is the year then to kind of, Get the ball rolling to to you know get the cohesiveness going, learn the system, get thrown in the fire, have some success, and then assumedly like you'd be bringing back the core of this year's team for next season, mm-hmm. and they wouldn't need as much team building stuff, team chemistry stuff in the summer. So true. I, I would again, I'd love to hear that question answered, but and selfishly, you just want to see the team play basketball in the summer. Because right now all we're getting is like workout videos and, hey, Dennis Evans is tall. Here he is standing with a bunch of people. And I love that. I do. He's tall. It's awesome. I want to see him playing a little bit of basketball. I want to know if he can be our starting center. I want to know how good he can be right off the bat. Speaking of uh, Kenny Payne, I asked John Spears this earlier. I'm interested in your thoughts as well. Okay, Spears is a smart guy. We uh, Do we get a Kenny Payne day next year or in 2024? As far as like how many like we you know we're like five twenty seven May twenty seventh is Kenny Payne yeah. Day like yeah. like we did last year on April twenty yeah. eighth God I hope not I 
So to avoid having a Kenny Payne day, he's he has win to win 13. more than 12 games. Yeah. I think so. I do. If you told me I'm wrong, I wouldn't be shocked, obviously, because nothing shocks me at this point after what we went through last year. Nothing can shock me after watching uh, your favorite team, which had had one 20 losing season, a 20 loss season in the history of its program before last year, go 4-28. and I think that they're going to win more than 12 games. I, I do, too. Yeah. I think that they're going to be right in that 14, 15, 16, 17 wheelhouse, if I had to guess. But... They'll beat the teams that they couldn't beat last year in terms of the beginning portion of the schedule. They're also going to schedule more of those teams, I think. But <laughs> if, if they had to, I mean, if there is a Kenny Payne day, let's just hope it's like December 19th and right. <laughs> not in the early spring right. like it was this past year. Uh, I, I just, yeah. It's a good question. It's a fair question. We don't have a, we're not going to get into the Jeff Rom stuff real quickly. So I, I saw this, and this is something that's going to, as an IU guy, this should be, and an Indiana guy, this should be near and dear to your heart. So Micah Shrewsbury was a rising star in the coaching ranks, took Penn State to the NCAA tournament, has he's been doing things up there that I, I think that many people thought weren't really possible at Penn State. He takes the Notre Dame job this offseason, replacing Mike Bray. And it's a it's a little bit surprising to a number of people. Mm-hmm. He had a good thing going at Penn State. Notre Dame's kind of bottomed out in recent years. Can he equal that success in South Bend? And he, there's a story, Matt Norlander, who I love, did a really good story about him on CBS Sports Network, and this should uh, appeal to you. And so the whole basis, a big chunk of the story is why would you leave all that momentum, Big Ten program, to come to Notre Dame? And a little anecdote in the story is this. Norlander writes, Sometimes the small stuff can be the clincher. In Happy Valley, the Shrewsbury's laid down a basketball court in their backyard shortly after moving there in 2021. A neighbor was a pest about it. She'd yell across the yard to Braden and his brother Nick, these are his kids, you're not going to the NBA. Give it up already. <laughs> She'd complain about the noise in the middle of the afternoon. One night, Molly, who's Shrewsbury's wife, came home at 7.30 p.m. to discover two policemen in her driveway. The neighbor had called the cops on the boys for playing basketball too loudly. <laughs> it's hard to envision anything so absurd happening in basketball-obsessed Indiana. That sums it up, Molly said. It's so different. Coming back here, it's a different culture and a different experience. When you follow your institution, it's not that big of a decision. Well, and Micah grew up here. That's what that's what they're saying. Like, yeah. yeah, he played little league baseball. And Jeff, they're basically saying they want to go somewhere that knows ball. Mm-hmm. Pennsylvania don't don't know ball. They don't know ball up there. They know football. So just yeah, they do know that. So just think about that. Whenever you're being, if you're being a little bit of a pest, if you're yelling at kids for playing basketball in the afternoon, you might be driving away the best coach in the history of your program potentially to a different program. What a dr- joke! I mean, how grumpy do you have to be? Good grief. You're not going to the NBA. Give it up already. It's like, like that's so selfish. His kids are like 12 and 10. Like, shut up. <laughs> Get over it. I'd move to Indiana too. That's, that's ridiculous. All right, we're going to take a break. Here's what we're going to do when we come back. We're going to play this uh, this Jeff Brown press conference from today, take, talking some questions, taking some questions from the local media, uh, getting you ready for fall camp here, and then we'll react to that. Uh, keep it locked right here. Mike Rutherford Show rolls on after this Thursday edition on 1450 The Big X.
this? It's like the only version. I was gonna say, but it just sounds like maybe maybe my Spotify has the every now and then they have the songs that are a little bit different than the ones you remember. Yeah. Just leave it on. Just leave it on. In John Deere Green On a hot summer night He wrote Billy Bob Love Charlene I don't think I've ever seen graffiti that's, that's been like Hunter plus Carol or whatever. That's what I haven't thought about this song when I've driven through somewhere. I think I actually I was driving somewhere one time and someone had written Billy Bob Love Charlene in green on a on like an overpass, which I was like, it's well done. Kind of a waste of time, but still, it's I a enjoy great it. song. It, it is a fantastic song. Uh, welcome back in Rutherford Show Thursday edition here on fourteen fifty and ninety six one. The Big X. Hope you're staying cool on this hot day. We're gonna take to the. You, your guys' text on the Thornton's text line coming up shortly here at 502-414-1450. But first, Jeff Brom spoke with the media today, getting everybody ready for the start of fall camp coming up in a few weeks. Wanted to give a little bit of a, a summer update. I thought it was a nice little you – know, these are just media questions. No big, grandiose statement at the, at the beginning. Just wanted to open himself up. Talked TJ Capers, talked the quarterback room, talked a lot of good stuff here. It's about uh, 12 minutes long, so we'll let you listen to that, and then we'll talk about it after the break, after we – Finish playing it. Here's Jeff Brom meeting with the media from earlier today. For a long time, we got to get it uh, digested quickly. Uh, so that's on us as a staff to make sure our guys understand what we're doing, what we have the capability to do. Uh, we're able to still uh, be aggressive in our approach and, and, and coach uh, and, and give our guys uh, a chance to win by doing different things and not being too vanilla. So we still want to do that. So I just think uh, if you put in the time, put in the effort, if you know that people have to get up to speed quickly, uh, you've got to put extra time in. And I think that's going to be a continuous process. There's a lot of guys that are on our roster now that have not been here through spring practice that got here after that. And, uh, you know, we got to use these summer months, June and July. We've got to use fall camp, and we've got to get up to speed as fast as we can. Jeff, there's obviously been a lot of talk about your homecoming, but for Steven to come back here, you know, obviously one, two, state championships with Trinity, for him to get to come back here for his last season, how big is that, and what is the role you kind of see him playing um, for this team? One more time, who did you ask about? Stephen Heron. You know what, Stephen Heron has been a great addition uh, to the team. He is uh, an outstanding leader. He's played a lot of football. Uh, He's coming here on a mission to uh, come out and prove himself again and showcase what he's all about and help this football team win and win at a high level. And... uh, so he's been outstanding to this point, and I think he's going to be a big contributor. Um, he works really hard in the weight room. He leads by example. He's vocal when he when he's has to. I think he gets it. He understands it. And, uh, you know, I think his name carries a lot of weight. And there's going to be a lot of people that want to come out and watch him play. And, and to this point, he's been, you know, uh, tremendous for us. When, when you took the job, we talked to you about how what you liked in a quarterback and what you wanted to see. Talk about that room and, and the competition you have in there now. Yeah, I think you know, everybody obviously knows about Jack, but you brought other guys in, and it looks like to, to have that competition. And, and what do you feel like that room looks like right now? Well, we definitely have tried to uh, add valuable pieces to the quarterback room, and uh, you want to make sure that you develop a starter that can go out there and, and play at a high level and build a team around him and his strengths and make sure we're doing things that he's really good at. At the same time, you have to develop the backups behind him. Uh, at any given point, they're going to have to go on the field and play. Um, and so I think we have. I think we've addressed that. I think we've gone out and, and recruited and brought some other competition here, not only just for this year, but for the years moving forward. Uh, you have to get prepared for that. And quarterback is such a vital position 
that uh, it takes every ounce of work that uh, you can put in to get them ready to play. So learning the offense, learning the scheme, learning the system, learning fundamentals and mechanics and all those things, working on them daily, um, being able to grasp things, uh, you know, lead a football team, throw the ball accurately, be able to throw the deep ball, be able to drive the football, throw on the move, all those things need to be practiced and harnessed. And, uh, you know, at this point, that room is stronger. Uh, there's more viable competition in there to help us uh, not only through this year, but for years to come. So I, I've been excited about the additions we've made. They've worked hard. It's a really good room. There's, there's good nucleus of guys in there. They've worked hard together. They understand that uh, the best one will be on the field, the next best one will be ready, and the other ones will be ready to go as well at any, any given point in time. So we've had some years where guys have stayed healthy. We've had some years we've had to go down to our fourth and fifth quarterback. So it just, it just all depends. And uh, But this, this, this room has done a really good job of uh, competing and working hard to this point. Jeff, you mentioned some of those uh, post-spring newcomers, which are, have been a lot of those. Uh, even though you, you haven't seen them in an in organized practice setting like in spring ball, how have some of those new guys that have come over the last month or so looked in uh, meetings and, and uh, off-season workouts and things like that? Well, in generalities, because there's a lot of newcomers, I, I won't single out one, but I, I think that uh, you know we have them all here now for the most part uh, training with us. Uh, we're able to do some things on the field with them within the rules. Uh, they've worked really hard in the weight room. Uh, we have a good uh, system put together where they're putting in the work on the field, whether we're out there some or whether we're not, uh, and, and learning um, everything that needs to take place in order for them to feel comfortable for fall camp. Um, you know, I like our additions, and I think they all will contribute to a certain degree. Some uh, right away for sure. Others, it may take a little time, but I think in, in general. Phone charging slowly. Of course, they throw an ad in the middle of it. Here we go. Uh, we've been very pleased, and uh, it's definitely added depth and competition to our room, and uh, we need to make sure we utilize that. And, and for anyone that's able to get on the field and able to compete and play, we want to we get them on the field and, and get them on the field right away and, and uh, keep guys fresh as much as we can. Uh, but to this point, they've done a really good job. Jeff. Obviously, implementing a, a brand new offense for all of these kids, or, or for most of them, how important is somebody like Jack who knows the offense? Do you need him almost to be some sort of a, a coach of sorts during this summer to kind of help you get everybody up to speed a little bit? Well, Jack's done a great job. His strength, and he, his, he is very intelligent, and uh, he was that way when we had him at Purdue. Uh, he's continued to be that way. He's a student of the game. He understands it. He understands what we're doing. Even as we're meeting now, if there's something that I possibly forget or misquote, he, he can correct me. He's, he's that sharp at what we're doing, and, 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 and uh, he's, he's on top of it. I do think he's been great for the room. Uh, our young quarterbacks, Pierce, and all those guys have uh, definitely learned a lot from him. Uh, they spent a lot of time around him. Um, you know, he's exactly what you're looking for. He's a really good leader. He's worked hard at... Uh, getting better himself and making sure he's ready to go. Uh, he's been vocal uh, this summer uh, in workouts, and he's led our team out there on uh, player-led workouts as well very well. Uh, but, yeah, he's been a, a really good addition uh, to the team uh, to this point. Uh, you know, he wants to be the guy to help this football team win, and he understands that a lot of things fall on his shoulders. And if we win, he'll get to more, more of the credit than he deserves probably if we lose he'll get a lot of the blame and he understands that he's been through it so I just think because he's battle tested he's got experience um, 
you know, he's been through the fire. Uh, you know, we're, we're going to work hard to make him have a great uh, last year uh, and make him have success. Jeff, for you, since the home open, well, I guess the first game is an away game, and it's also going to be on a Friday. When you're going through prep, getting ready for this, do you, I guess, game plan a little bit earlier than you expected, or do you still kind of keep the, like, the process as is, just game planning and getting ready for that first game? We have a schedule set up for sure, and um, you know we're used to playing uh, weeknight games. Um, you know, even going back to my assistant days here and beyond, and uh, they're very common. Uh, we have quite a few this year. Um, you know, a lot of times uh, there's a lot of preparation gone um, through the through the spring, through the summer, uh, and then even to fall camp, getting ready for certain opponents. Definitely your first four opponents, and then occasionally. You may pick a rival, or you may pick a you know a big game as well down the road that you prep for to a certain degree. Make sure you have a tentative game plan ready to go, and then during the course of the week you pull that out and work hard at it. And you know you're able to to watch the team uh, up to that point as well and see what they're doing differently. So I just think we we put in a lot of work to this point. We understand that it's always a one game season. Uh, it's important to. Uh, bring your best effort every time you step on the field. Uh, nothing is taken for granted. Uh, you only get out of something what you put into it. And our guys understand that. So we've got to put in a lot of work. We've got to continue to do that. We've got to push ourselves to uh, get better every day. We've got to be competitive in practice, even in the summer when they're training sometimes on their own. Um, and understand that uh, you know you go on the road ga game, uh, game one um, in an environment against a team that played really well last year at the end of the year. So we'll have our hands full, and if you don't come ready to play each and every week, uh, you're going to get beat. And another ad. <laughs> and here we go. Jeff, I know this is something that you'll probably be able to better answer once fall camp starts, but when you have two talented freshmen at a position like Stan Quan and TJ at linebacker, how much immediate opportunity do you think there is for young guys like that to play as freshmen in that linebacker group? Well, I think we've, uh, in the past, have done a good job of getting uh, young guys ready to play and, and getting them on the field right away. Uh, in Stan Quan's case, it's a little easier, and that's the route we've gone before where he's, he's had a full spring, he's going to have a full summer, full fall camp. Uh, he's continued to learn. He's made great strides, and I feel very confident he's going to do a, a very good job for us. Uh, TJ's, you know, he's new. It's going to take time, so that's not going to – happen right away but at the same time I'm not going to put anything past someone coming in uh, so we're going to um, you know get him healthy first and make sure that uh, you know he feels good uh, when he's on the field he's able to practice at a high level we've got to get him up to speed uh, you know terminology and, and uh, educate him on, uh, on what we're doing here and that takes time so it's going to be a little more of a process with him this is a uh, you know, I haven't had this happen before as a coach, so you know we're going to be patient and make sure that uh, we give these guys every opportunity. But at the same time, um, you know, make sure they're ready when they step on the field. The tight end position is so important in your offense. It's it's inexperienced, or the group is inexperienced. What have you seen from that group? And I guess the newcomers, Jamari and Joey. Do they kind of almost not really have to play? But I mean, you're 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 going to expect those guys to to get out there and compete right away. Well, that is an important position, and uh, you know the fact that we don't have a ton of experience is a concern. Uh, but that means we just have to make sure we address that concern uh, in the summer and in the fall, and, and make sure we're doing everything we can to get them ready to go. Uh, so, um, you know, the newcomers uh, in, in Joey and Jamari have made strides. Um, 
you know, we don't have pads on right now, so you can't really tell for sure. You know, tight end is a, is a really hard position to learn, especially uh, in our offense and in, in an NFL offense. Uh, there's a lot of things you got to do, catching the football, running routes, but also protecting, uh, blocking in the run game. There's just a whole lot of things that go into it. So for a young guy, there, there are some adjustments that have to be made. Uh, and we have to simplify that down as we get closer to game one with some of the new guys and make sure that when they're in there, we're doing some things they feel comfortable with and that they're good at. But I do like uh, the promise of, of Jamari. Uh, he's really big. Um, he's got really good hands. He's athletic. You know, he, he's, he's so big that we got to make sure we, we keep him as thin as we can and slim, slim him down and get him fast and in shape and all those things. But he's worked really hard. Uh, Joey has got athleticism. He's tall. Um, you know, he can run. He just hasn't played the position uh, a whole lot. So that is a concern. And uh, But I think he's worked hard, but that's going to be a little bit of a learning curve. But I think, uh, you know, um, you know, we, we have some, some parts that have played a little bit in spring uh, spring ball, a little bit last season. Some guys uh, in Lifson that uh, did a good job in the spring. So we'll, we'll be very competitive there uh, throughout camp. But at the same time, we're going to try to get our best 11 guys on the field uh, for most of the game, and we'll figure out who those are. There it is. That was Jeff Brom giving the local media a, a little bit of a summer update there. I mean, don't don't disrespect my guy Josh Lifson. I mean, we're talking about the tight end position. I, I, look, this is a pro-Josh Lifson program. We love it. KCD stand up. Uh, I mean, I, I'm texting with young Patrick Ryan the other day, and he's talking about – Maybe we can go after one of these Northwestern tight ends. Like, we have Josh Lifson. Get over it. But uh, Jeff Brom, they're talking tight ends. I, I thought a number of interesting things. One of the things, I, I think I think the first minute of the presser was, was cut off on that video, which we should give credit to. Uh, the Crunch Zone, my guy Mark Blankenbecker over there, put that video out on YouTube, which is why you heard the the, the ads there in the middle. I mean, I don't know when that started. We used to always play the pressers from YouTube. And I... The ads would never pop up. It's just getting worse. And, and now worse. it's just, I mean, the ads are everywhere. They're- I freaking was playing an outro for KRC yesterday, and an ad popped up in the middle of my outro song. I was like, what is happening? It's- I was playing it for like three seconds. It's insane. It's all insane. But the, the in the yeah, first man. minute, he was asked about TJ Capers. And he did reveal, I think this is the, the, the quote that I have in front of me, Talking about TJ said, the reality is he still should be going into his senior year of high school. So there's going to be a learning curve. He hasn't been here training with us. He just arrived late Tuesday night, early Wednesday morning. There's a lot for him to learn. He also had a knee injury at the end of the year that he's still rehabbing. So there's just a lot of things. We're not going to have high expectations early on for him. We want to make sure he feels comfortable with what he's doing, that he gets healthy, and we get him on the field when he's ready. I know he kind of reiterated that when he was talking about the comparisons between uh, TJ Capers and Stanquan Clark there. Stanquan is a guy that look, the coaching staff has made no bones about the fact that he looked fantastic this spring, and they are ready for him to make a huge impact as a freshman this year. And I think you see now Jeff trying to maybe just diminish the expectations for TJ Capers just a bit because he is such a big name. He does come here with such high accolades coming out of high school, but he hasn't been through spring practice. He hasn't experienced an early semester here, hasn't gotten acclimated to the college life. He hasn't even been here for some of, any of the summer workouts up until now. So maybe just bring him along a little bit slowly. Is, isn't that just a veteran coach move, though, 
to temper expectations from the fan base for this kid and sure, hope, hopefully sure. the fan base backs off a little bit. I know it was a big get and a five star and one of the best players to ever commit to Louisville, but it's like if if he has all that hype and he's hearing all that from the outside, that could get to him. So I think it's a veteran move by Brom coming out and tempering those expectations for now. I mean, Jeff did make it a point to say you know, we're very fired up to have him here. We, sure. we yeah. think he's going to be an outstanding football player for us. But then he also – and he, I mean, he did throw in the addendum of before he started doing the whole, like, you know, we're, we're going to bring him along slowly. He's had an injury. He's been young. He's like, I don't, he's like, I don't ever want to say a kid can't do something. Right. He's like, I, he's like we expect Stan Quan Clark to be a big-time contributor. W- right now, we don't really know what to expect from TJ Capers. We know that he's a guy that doesn't I mean he doesn't he doesn't know the system. He has not had one day of coaching under U of L tutelage so far. He's he's got to learn what they're asking. I mean, they don't even I think as of right now they're not probably. I mean, they've, they've, I'm sure they've got an idea, but nobody else is 100 percent sure where he's going to play. We were talking about that with Keith yesterday. Mm-hmm. He's a guy that I mean, eventually could be a hand in the ground type player. He's listed everywhere on every scouting service as a linebacker slash um, edge rusher. I mean, he could be an inside linebacker this year. Keith was talking about that. You could, you may just have to play him where you need him the most, but they probably won't figure that out for sure until they start getting into some live reps during practice. So, you know, with, with TJ, I, I think you're right. I think Jeff wants to make sure that the fan base isn't like, look, this dude's the third highest ranked player we've ever signed. He should be getting two sacks a game right from the jump. Uh, it, it may take a little bit longer than that when you take into account the fact that, one, he still should be a high school senior, and two, He's getting here later than everybody else uh, on the team. And three, he's still dealing with a little bit of an injury. So uh, I thought that was interesting. I thought him talking about the quarterbacks was interesting as well. Uh, I mean, he, he you can see why we had the conversation yesterday as well about Jack Plummer. What if he's simply not good enough? And Jack is a guy who, with so many quarterbacks available in the transfer portal, he wasn't in anybody's top 15 transfer quarterbacks uh you know, on the market, he wasn't he didn't wouldn't get the Sam Hartman hype, the Devin Leary hype, the whoever you want to put out there hype. But he's a guy who knows Jeff Brom's offense, and I think that Jeff has so much confidence in the system that he's put together that having a guy who just knows the ins and the outs of what's expected for him is his primary concern. He would take that over a dude with maybe a slightly better arm or maybe a slightly better pedigree. Because, and I used to have players, you know, because when you're the same age as players, like you kind of, you interact in college, like the players who were around during the first Petrino stint, when, when I would talk to them, they would always say the same thing, which was, you, know, you don't have to be the greatest quarterback in the world. If you just know where the ball is supposed to be in this system and you get it there accurately and at the right time, make the right read, you're going to look like you're the best quarterback in the world. Your stats are going to be incredible and not, not taking anything away from, from Brian or, or Stefan or, um, you know, anybody else that's played under Bobby, but, there are a lot of people who will tell you, you know, if you just, you know, if you know that the ball is supposed to be over the middle at the two second mark and you hit him, the guy in stride and he's enough of a playmaker, you know, that simple throw, that throw that any quarterback in Division One should be able to make is going to look like a 70 yard bomb on paper. And, and so I think that there's something to that with Jeff Brom and his system. And he feels like, you know, Jack Plummer, maybe not the best quarterback in the world at Cal, obviously is a guy that we benched multiple times at Purdue and seemed to get better when we did. But He's got the skills enough to flourish in my system, and he knows the system enough that he's going to be able to put up big-time numbers for us this year. So I thought that was interesting. And then he did talk about bolstering the quarterback room, which has been an issue. It, it was an issue under Scott Satterfield, the fact that he could not seem to land any quarterbacks in the transfer portal. He couldn't seem to keep any quarterbacks. 
that he had in his recruiting classes. Nobody wanted to come here and just sit behind Malik Cunningham. And so you were left with, and, and look, Brock Doman ended up working out pretty well. He's probably going to start the season as either your second or third string guy. He won three games for you last season. But Brock Doman is a junior college player that had no other offers when he was coming out of Independence Community College in Kansas there. And Evan Conley is a guy that was going to go to, all set to go to App State until Scott Satterfield got the job here and then just followed him there. So you've, you had those two guys coming back, but we know what they are. We know that if the defense is playing well enough and the run game is going, they can be good game managers. But they're also guys where if you fall behind 21-3, they're not really going to be able to lead an air attack comeback charge. So Jeff goes out there. He brings in Pierce Clarkson. He brings over Brady Allen, who's one of the former highest-rated quarterbacks in his class from just a couple of years ago. He brings in the uh, the other kid who's a walk-on, uh, who's former Tennessee quarterback, whose name now is just escaping me. You've gonna, you're going to have competition, and I liked his point about saying it's not just competition for playing time behind Jack this year. It's competition for the next couple of years. So Jack will be the starter? I think that that's the assumption. He didn't come out and, and say that, but that's... Where does Pierce fit into the equation? I think that's the that's one of the big questions that's out there. I mean, Pierce did, was an early enrollee, but he barely played in the spring because he had a, a broken toe. I, I know that I think the the staff thinks he's small. He's He certainly is small. Um, and I think they still don't really have an, an idea of what he can do, what he can bring to the table, because he was so limited when he finally got healthy again. I think they know what Brady Allen can do. And Brady Allen's got – the bigger quarterback, the big time pedigree. He's fam- he's also familiar with Jeff's system. I will be surprised, and this is not me like this is not inside information or whatever. I'll be surprised if Brady Allen come week three or whenever we get into the season isn't your primary backup quarterback. I think that he's going to take the reins as far as the early competition to be the starting quarterback next year. I think that he's just. Like he, he's ahead. He fits this system a little bit better. I mean, his, he's got two names of two of quarterback greatness, Josh Allen and he Tom Brady. He sounds like a good yeah, quarterback. For sure. He, he sounds like somebody who should be able to play the position. Was, was Pierce Clarkson, is he the guy that we heard from dad too a lot? His dad is a quarterback guru. Steve Clarkson, okay. he's the guy. He's He also he works with Adidas. He's out there on he, the West He had Coast. like a lot of quotes when he was being recruited yes, and stuff. Okay. For sure. And, and I will say, like just hearing a little bit about the situation, I think that – the dad is – you would expect it to be maybe a problem in situations like this, a, a dad who's very well-known, who's been very instrumental. His dad works with the biggest quarterbacks, some of the biggest quarterbacks in the world, like every day. He knows what it looks like. And I think that he's – he was very much – I can tell you this for a fact. He was very much in support of them going out there and landing a transfer quarterback to be the starter this year. I think you know, he knows his son. He knows that there are limitations there, that he's not ready to be thrown into the fire just yet. I think he knows that the best scenario for for Pierce was to redshirt this year, maybe get some playing time in, in, in blowouts, get his feet wet a little bit, and then if he's good enough, compete for the starting job next year. I, I think that his dad is very aware that that it's not just going to be handed to Pierce for next season because he was a well-known recruit. Um, he's going to have to battle for it. And the competition has already started for, for next year's starting quarterback. And let's say, God forbid, something happens to Jack Plummer, who do you give the reins to? I I, I think if it's... If it's just Brock Doman, and I know Evan Conley is coming back and he's technically healthy, but he's been dealing with a hip injury for the last couple of years that I'm not sure is going to allow him to be a real contender for the backup job. If they just gave it to Brock Doman, that would have me a little bit concerned about the future. I, I think the best case scenario is in fall camp, Allen or Clarkson prove themselves to be just that much more talented 
than Doman and Conley and whoever else you're throwing out there that they earn the backup job. I think that would make you the most comfortable for the quarterback situation moving forward. And then, like we discussed yesterday, Deuce Adams is coming in. They love him. The, the freshman quarterback that's going to be in next year's recruiting class, they think he can be a big-time prospect. I mean, I know – I'll tell you this, too, pulling the curtain back. Like, Jeff loved – he doesn't care about the accolades. He doesn't care about the recruiting rankings. He loved Nathan McElroy, the walk-on from Trinity. When he announced that he was transferring, they were pretty broken up about it. They thought he was throwing the ball as well as anybody during the spring. So, I mean, Aiden O'Connell was a walk-on at Purdue – Ended up becoming turning him into a, a guy who's got an NFL contract, a guy who put up big time numbers last year. If you can throw it, if you can spin it, and if you can grasp the system, Jeff's gonna he's gonna find you and he's gonna get you some playing time. So it'll be a it'll be an everyday battle for not just the backup spot for but for next year. I think from now until this season's over, that's the way it's gonna be. Uh, we'll take a break. We want to hear from you. We've talked to, about our thoughts about Jeff Brom's press conference from today. A couple more quotes that we can dissect a little bit in the next hour, and then we'll turn it over to the text line at 502-414-1450. It's the Mike Rutherford Show on 1450 and 961, The Big X. On a hot summer night, he wrote in a bottle of Charlene and three foot high. It's it's not country. All of my friends have turned on me in the, on the Morgan Wallen front. They're, they all have become secret Morgan Wallen fans. It's it's good music. Morgan Wallen also proved that cancel culture doesn't actually exist. But Morgan Wallen is doesn't also exist. he will turn into Taylor Swift. You think he'll make like a pop? Not by just his sheer size, but yeah, I think he'll eventually go over to the pop route. I've seen. I could be wrong on that. I hear that. So you Instagram. I, I do get caught in the sort of the the reels things, like where you just start like scrolling through the sure, reels, yeah. and like. Invariably, there'll be a trend or two that will you'll see like 17 videos in a row that are doing this, and the, the one right now that's everywhere is like that. That was seven summers ago, and it's people <laughs> posting pictures of themselves now and then like flashing to the seven years ago, and I'm like, I'm, I'm so sick of that song. Can you make a say to know that was seven summers ago? I'm like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I can't do it. My buddy saw him play, and I, I guess it was uh, in Michigan a couple weeks ago, and. He was like, it was a he is crazy super, show. He is super overplayed. And he is kind of, 
he's leaked over to the pop stations like the 98.9997s of the world. I can see that. I, I've heard him on their stations as well. And if I hear the freaking last night we let liquor talk, if oh, I hear him, if I, I hear that, that one more time, I'm gonna lose my mind. See, I make fun. Of I used friends. to like that song. I, all I do is crap on them when I'm like. When they start talking about this, I'm just like, I need something you proof. I'm like, come on. Like, like what are we doing here? But he clearly has an appeal. He's, yeah. he's uh, they're calling him what the, the country Michael Jackson, which is pretty wild. <laughs> I mean, man gets caught doing the hard R twice on video. It doesn't matter. Like, he's still just, he's still selling out places. Doesn't matter. Yeah. There's no cancel culture. I watched uh, soccer again last night, Scoots. Did, Same. You watch, did you watch the soccer? I did. Yeah. Believe it or not. Pretty heartbroken. Probably the worst Gold Cup of all time. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody even cared. Who 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 cares anyway? I did so when we t- I had I couldn't help myself when we tied after you know it was the same as the Canada game. We give up the late goal yeah. and it, but then we me? got it right back and then we get it right yeah. back and tie the game. And I'm like, this is probably the most exciting Gold Cup of all. And time. And that goal we got was sick. It was. It was not I, for a while there. I didn't think. You know, I like following the starting the, the soccer guys on Twitter who are like this, this the front three they couldn't score on a high school under 15 team. And then finally we get the. Uh, the goal, and then that same guy just completely shanked it in the in the uh, the shootout. Yeah. But uh, we lose on penalty kicks, and then immediately after tweet, I'm like, "This is." <laughs> I guess people didn't see the first tweet because they were taking it very seriously. Where I'm like, "This is probably the worst Gold Cup of all time. Who cares? We sent our C team. Not a big deal. I, <laughs> who's trying in this thing anyway?" People were like, I, "You're right." <laughs> we did, we couldn't have cared less. I'm like, "Well, I'm making fun of myself for saying it was a great Gold Cup." But they do they lose in in penalty kicks. I also I loved watching the very end. With my wife, who just does not like soccer at all, like she she'll she likes basketball. She's big into U of L basketball. She grew up with baseball, so she watched the Reds with me all the time. Her dad, it's it's her dad. Our kids uh, and and his other grandkids, they call him coach because everybody in, <laughs> in Springfield, where he's from, calls him coach. He coached the local high school baseball team there for like thirty years. It's like that Will Ferrell movie, pretty much, where his dad coaches against him. Yeah, like he, he calls he, him coach. He um. The local high school field is named for him in Washington County, so everyone just calls him coach. So she grew up going to baseball games, and she would keep the scorebook and stuff. So she's she's good with baseball. She's good with basketball. She does not like football. And she soccer, she just – she'll tolerate it for like 10 seconds. And last night – I mean, again, penalty kicks, whether you like – to the, like the, the the casual soccer fans like They're us. exciting. It should be like – it's the most yeah. exciting thing. Like this is the easiest thing. And when they go past five to five – and she's like, "Well, how does it work now?" And I'm like, "It's sudden death. Like the first team that 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 scores, and when the other team gets stopped, like they're gonna win." And she's like, "Well, that's dumb." <laughs> and I'm like, "Well, what's your solution?" And she's like, "Just keep going, best of five or best of three. I'm like, "Well, that's even more dumb. Then you're just elongating the entire thing." I actually kind of like that. And It'd so like, go. You have like 50 penalty kicks. So go. No, here's what you do: go best of five. If you're tied after that, then you go best of three. If you're tied after that, then go down to the one one for one. It's too much. I, th- I think I'm. She's on to something there. I think that'd be great. Well, the issue is everybody's only allowed to kick once, so you, you know you you'd run out of you run out of players at some point. No, you got eleven on the field. Yeah, but some of these penalty kicks, if you keep going, all you need is like two ties in that scenario to but use up all eleven players. But then you recycle back around. Right? Is that, I don't think that's how it works. I and, think and that's how it works. I think you have to go to the After, bench players. You go to the goalies, I know. It, I know the goalies have point. had to, to kick. I've yeah. seen that happen before in, in regular PK. I would assume that they would just recycle through, but I don't know that there's ever been a penalty kick that lasted that long. Oh, I think there has been. You think I'm so? Sh- I'm sure that I'm sure there have been PKs that have gone like 13, 14. I've got to figure this out. Longest PK. Yeah, I mean, it, it's like the – I mean, you've had Wimbledon fist sets the back in the day before the new tiebreakers were like 57, 55, the Isner match back in the day. I'm sure you've had PKs that have gone – 
I mean, th- in, in like the history of soccer. Oh my gosh. I'm going to guess. Okay, can I guess before you tell me what it <laughs> yeah, is? Yeah, you can. I'm going to say there's been a match that has gone to like a 33rd round of PKs. Uh, so it was 25-24. 25-24. It was the score. Yeah, I don't – let's see if I can see how many rounds it was. And this is just professional ranks. I mean, I bet there's been like a youth game somewhere where the kids just either couldn't score or couldn't stop, and it's just gone forever. 25-24 on penalties. You get tired at some point. The goal yeah, is- and okay, so there was – there was a, a number of players that had to take three penalty kicks in that so game. So they do recycle. So they'll just okay. recycle them. Yeah. It just comes back. Yeah. Well, regardless, USA out of the Gold Cup. So 25, 24, 49. There was five misses. So 54. So it went 26 <laughs> rounds. Good grief. At least you'd feel bad. At a certain point, you'd be like, well, there's no pressure on me here because like, if I'm on the <laughs> – 27 rounds. I guess I, actually there'd be probably more – if you were kicking second, there'd be so much pressure on you if the team oh, scored. Yeah. Like, you don't want to be the guy that loses it in the 25th round. No. Do, is the Gold Cup – I, you, you, I'm sure you have no idea. <laughs> is the Gold Cup one of the tournaments where they have to play the, the third round, the third place game now, which I feel like is always so – I would assume so, yeah. So they Because I saw Mexico. I'm assuming they won. They played oh, Jamaica. They, they, scored, they scored like a minute into the game. Yeah, you saw that? That was crazy. I kept it on. I watched that. It was so easy. It, Ma- I mean, it looked like they were playing a video game for that goal. Mexico, they won 3 nothing. So, yeah. They will play Panama in the finals. I don't know if the USA will have to play a third place. The third place game is so demeaning. It is. It reminds me, I mean, when you look at the old third place game scores from the Final Four, I'm like, imagine trying to get kids these days to play a third place game after you've lost in the Final Four. Like, San Diego State beats FAU at a buzzer beater. And you're like, well, we'll get We'll get the loser of tonight's game in, in two days in the third place. No, it's, it's, it's so silly. They still do it in the World Cup, I think, which is just kind of mm-hmm. outrageous. But uh, if, the, if there is a third place game, the USA will play Jamaica. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say there is a third place game. Gold Cup, third place game, USA, Jamaica. <laughs> I don't, it didn't look like there is. That was a pretty specific search there, too. Yeah, it doesn't. I'm just looking at the, the, the Wikipedia. It looks like it's going to be, it'll be just the, I don't know. Yeah, it's just uh, Mexico versus Panama. Maybe we opted out. Maybe we, <laughs> like, what are they, like North Carolina with the NIT are, last year. What do they we call it? What do they call it in NBA? Uh, load management. Load. Since, since it was all of our best guys there, you know, they just need to rest up. We don't even care. <laughs> send the send the D squad out there. For, you know, we we send the C squad out for most of the tournament. Just send the D squad out for the third place game. That's fine. 502-414-1450. We'll, we'll take some text on the Thornton's text line. We were talking about the Jeff Brom press conference. Uh, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I do want to get to later in the show too. We, I, I've got some nonsense stories because it's you know, love. What nonsense. else is going on? We can also talk Emmy nominations. Uh, we we have a new strike in Hollywood too. Everybody's striking. Nobody's working. Are we going to get any shows or any movies anytime soon? Uh, it's all happening. But first, Thornton's text line. Texas says, uh, random thought, perfect, on this scorching Thursday afternoon, what are Mike and Scoots more excited about for late July? One, the Louisville TBT team, or two, the return of Slam Ball? I did not know Slam Ball was coming back. Just those two options? Is that yeah? If those are two options, my answer is the TBT. Because I'm putting the Women's World Cup above both of those. I'm excited for the Women's World and Cup, and that's coming up here in a week. Actually, I filled out a Women's World Cup um, bracket. That's bold of you because it's bigger than it ever has been this year. I did that, and look, 
it, it's and I don't even know how I'm a part of this. It's like fans of the USL. I guess I'm on some sort of lucidity list. Which, mm-hmm. by the way, we're giving away two tickets today. Yes. To uh, the Saturday lucidity match. But I, I so I, I got an email and it was like take part in this. And I hated to do this, but it's it's just it's game theory. Everyone's gonna pick USA to win this thing. You have to have basically a perfect bracket if you're picking USA to win it, and they mm-hmm. actually win it to win. So I took I, I have them. I'm, I'm cheering for USA. Don't call me a. a commie or, or anything like a threat to my country i'm cheering for usa i think they will win but i had them losing just so i could have a better chance of winning this pool and i picked england to win wow it's coming home by the way i, I might have told you this on monday but if you like the usa women you can get plus odds for them to get to the semifinals and for them to win really yeah semifinals is a, uh, yeah i want to say i got it at like plus 130 that's kind of attractive yeah very attractive <laughs> I know that we have six members of the the Racing Louisville squad that are playing for various uh, teams in the the World Cup, which is cool. That that's a fun thing, including uh, Savannah Demello, who's playing for the U.S. Women's National Team, which is very cool. So yeah, I'm excited about that for sure. Played I, with her on FIFA. She's pretty good. She's very good. Yeah, yeah. Racing Louisville is in FIFA, which yeah. is awesome. I didn't know that Slam Ball was coming back. And hand up, I've never cared about Slam Ball. The highlights every now and then will come across my feed, or, or they'll be in some sort of story that I'm reading. And it's, yeah, it's cool. It's cool. But I've never actually sat there. It doesn't, doesn't seem like something I'd want to sit there and like watch the entire thing. For. Yeah, I'm the same way. I'll check it out when it does come back. But yeah, I'm, it's not going to be appointment television for me. TBT team is, uh, I'm excited about that for sure. Texture says Rutherford show is perfect for the second year teacher already working in their classroom. Only about one and a half weeks till we officially start. God love you. Jeez, that close. Is that Indiana? Because Indiana has some schools that I know start in like July. I want to say the whole state is year-round school now. Is that what it is? Yeah. Because I, I feel like I never know when people start school anymore. I want to say like, they only get like six weeks for summer break now, I'll which see, is wild. I don't like that. I don't like it at all. But like, but then it, they get like two or three weeks for Christmas and Thanksgiving. Like I, still, I still think that that's I'd, – I'd rather just have the – summer should be like three, at least three months. Mm-hmm. You should have the summer break. I agree. But I, I will see – You know, I'll be thinking it's – Still the heart of summer, like right around this time of the year. And I'll hop on Instagram and I'll see somebody like 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 Big Easy, Zach McCright, who's a Indiana guy, who I'll follow there. And they'll be like, first day of school. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? How, how does this work? I mean, my kids, they're starting school way, way earlier than usual. So the, the, the preschool they go to where my mom works, it's not really – it's not affiliated technically with JCPS or Catholic schools. It's just – it's sort of its own thing. So they can do whatever they want. And they've typically followed more of the Catholic school timeline. And they've always started, the last two years, Virginia has started around the 16, 17, 18, somewhere around there. And this year they're going back, they're following the public school schedule, and they're going back August 9th, which is so, I mean, it's like four weeks away. Now, if your mom works there, you don't have to pay for them to go there? We do have to pay. Oh, that's bogus. Yeah, I know. Do you at least get like an employee discount? No. We (laughs) we don't. You should have negotiated something. We basically get like, hey, you're probably going to get to have a spot. It's it's very tough to get a spot at the school. Very prestigious. It's it's a very prestigious for no, school no for three year olds. The, the the finger paint that they use is like it's like colored in gold. Gold flakes in it. Yeah, you, like, you laugh about these things. Like people will go nuts. Like we have people that will like that, like hit me up every single even before I had kids. They were like, "Hey, can you talk to my mom about trying to get my kid?" Like the waiting list it fills up like so far in advance. You've you've got to get up at six a.m. on the dot to get your spot. Like because preschool, no, you don't want to mess around with preschools. You you don't want to go to like some sort of shoddy daycare or shoddy like and so you want to go to the schools that have the most teachers and the best reputations and it's uh, it's tough it's 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 competitive out there 
But yeah, we don't get a discount, which <laughs> I I thought my whole life I was like, yeah, but I have I'm sure I'll be able to get in for free. Yeah. Mom, Mom I would have like, thought the same. She was like, no, what do you what do you think we're doing here? Uh, we're running a business. So yeah, that that didn't work. But they're going back very early. John will start this year. He's going to be starting very early. It's going to be it's going to be tough. John, Mary took him to uh, school this morning when they were dropping off Virginia at the vacation Bible school thing, and John apparently just screamed the whole time. So she's like, "This is great!" Like he didn't have to go to a room, and he's already just flipping out about it. And he's how old now? He's one. Okay. He's gonna have a rough time. He's gonna be wait till he sees little cutie. <sighs> He'll forget about you all. Virginia had a rough time for the first like month she was there for sure. She seems pretty friendly. She's very friendly. She still she does not like school, and she will let you know. She's like me. Like I never. I never had like a problem with school. I always had friends. I always did well enough. I just I hated school my entire life, and I think she's gonna be like me, where like it's it's fine, but she'd rather be doing something else. She wants to. be You know, I was I was the same way, Mike. I hated school as well. But if we hated school that much, why did we continue school into college? You know, like at that point, at that point, we didn't really have to do that and go that route, but we chose to do that because I was the same way. I mean, I hated school. I, just, I look back now and I'm like, I would, I should have never went to college. I feel like, it, like I was in Orange County with the, like, why do you want to go to college? Like, because that's what you do after high yeah. school. Like, that's kind of how it yeah. felt. Like, exactly. Yeah, yeah. There, there was a period there, my freshman year of college, where I remember I was like, I don't even think I like need to be doing this. And looking back on it, I probably didn't. If I just launched a blog and like four years later, I'd probably be in the exact same spot I was. But I enjoyed college for a little bit. Oh, and, I enjoyed college for a lot of bit. That's yeah, why I was there five and a half I just years. Didn't like the academic part of it, which is why. I, I, I lost the scholarship that I'd had. You know, funny story. I have still to this day not gone back and looked at my college GPA because I'm just I am scared poopless of what it would be. I, I, I mean, I, it's going to be low. I think I know the ballpark it was because when I speaking of doing more school than we, than we needed to, when I decided I was going to go to law school, I knew that you had to have you either had to have like stellar academic resume from college. Or you had to just crush the LSAT, and I, I think that was the first time I went back and looked at my my uh, my, my transcript from college, and I was like, "Well, you're going to have to crush the, the LSAT if you want to <laughs> go to law school." And uh, th- thankfully, I did. But well, I guess not thankfully now in hindsight. But yeah, I did not. My whole th- time in college, I was like, "I'm not going to, I'm not going to go into a field where you're going to need to have a high GPA. I'm not going to like need to have." And then I decided to go to law school. Like two years later, I'm like, "Well, I kind of screwed myself there," but I. I, I I always hated school. And when I graduated from Bellarmine, you know, I didn't walk to get my diploma. Mary he ended up graduating my same class. Like, same. She's, she's like, why didn't you? I'm like, I, I, I hated school my whole life. Why, I have like one final day to celebrate the entire thing. You know what I did? I was an usher for IU event services, and I actually worked my graduation, and they left me in charge. I was the guy that was like handing out the diploma covers to like all my classmates. So I just took one of them bad boys, slid it, <laughs> slid it under my uniform. <laughs> Like if I, I don't, I'm not walking, but I'm definitely taking one of these. So you worked your own graduation. Yeah, that's hilarious. I did. Well, that, that's that's very funny. But yeah, we'll see. I think Virginia will. She hated it for a while, and then she's gotten to the point now where she doesn't like it, but she's she doesn't like she's not like kicking and screaming. She also she yeah, she went back when COVID was still kind of roaring a little bit. So she went for like a week and a half, and then. So, the, the the director and a bunch of the teachers got COVID and so they had to shut down the entire school for a week. So she like had just started, just was just kind of getting into a groove and then bam, she's off for like two weeks and we have to send her back. And I think that was, that, that made it a little bit harder, but John's going to, he's going to hate it. It's going to be bad. It's going to be a rough few weeks. <laughs> Mary's going to have to be put in like a home. I don't know. She's not going to have a good time. <laughs> she's going to struggle with it. 
Texas says, your friend is absolutely full of it. Dallas is as humid and absolutely miserable in the summer. It's not a dry heat. Houston is even worse. Here's the index in Dallas today. 97 feels like 106. Well, I mean, he lived there for 10 years. I'm just going off of what he said. Texas says also, um, uh, Texas says, storm supposedly coming during the show. Yes. I knew it was going to be a hot day to a stormy afternoon when it was 73 and humid at 4 a.m. when I left work. Good Lord. Plot twist, this is Jay Cardosi's burner phone. <laughs> Do you remember what the um, What's Jay Say campaign? Hey, Jay, what oh, do you say? Yeah, yeah. Oh, what's yeah. the weather going to be today? The way that they framed weathermen or weather people back in the day as opposed to now is so funny. It's so different. Back in the 90s, it was all like the, you know, it was like a morning show. Like the, the, the weather service was like yeah, snow fox and what's jay hey what's jay say and, all and then it quickly became like if you don't listen to jay cardosi you're going to die you know they, like they're very serious like storm tracker it's just the entire marketing for for weather people has changed he was the man for the while for the longest while you know who my favorite is but i can't stand to watch him anymore mark weinberg nope kevin uh, harnett yes love that guy Big he is guy. so knowledgeable but I, I cannot look at that head of hair i just i can't do it He's he's gotten comments about it. And I, can't, I can't just shave the front, man. We've all been there, Kevin. It comes to a certain point where you, you, you got to punt. He's he's a good looking guy too. Just need, guy. get rid of the postage stamp, bro. Great man. He's a uh, Kevin Harnett and I. We've been bros for a while now. Even after he got booed at the U of L game, sold his reputation there. You ever heard that story? Mm-mm. Poor Kevin. Kevin had a good thing going. Kevin. So Kevin was my. I, I enjoy becoming fans of of, of weather people i i enjoy like kind of tweeting like now mark weinberg is sort of my guy i think, I think it's just they're hilarious and kevin harnett i was always tweeting about kevin harnett kevin harnett and then he became the uh, the official weather man of uh, ufl football and thanks he went out there and he would always get cheered and then fortunately he was on the field on the big screen during the ufl uk game and he made the mistake the, the slip up of being like it's a great day out here for both the red and the blue and the red home fans just you can't make that comment on that day. Really? You, you can't extend an olive branch to UK fans at the UofL Stadium in the middle of a UofL UK game. And they just never forgave him. And so Seriously? It quickly became a thing. And I think probably half the crowd didn't even know why they were doing it. But they would just, after that, every time Kevin Harden got put on the big screen, they would just boo. And, and then he just stopped doing it. <laughs> so that was, it was an unfortunate moment. Texture says, have you ever seen uh, KP's player happy birthday tweets? They read as hilariously unenthusiastic and, and dry. <laughs> they do. I'm laughing because I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> like the, like let's first of all let's establish the fact Kenny Payne doesn't do his own tweets. I think the only ones that he might do are the birthday tweets because it's so funny the the tweets that are clearly done by somebody on his behalf are like I'll just read the, the one that was yesterday. Very blessed to be able to spend time today with members of the Community Fitness and Wellness Gym at UofL Health, Fraser Rehab. I'm grateful to have the opportunity to speak with you and inspired by your perseverance and determination. And then today, it just says, wishing the big fella Dennis happy birthday. <laughs> it's all very much just like, usually it's, it's, some, it's the same exact thing where it's like, happy birthday to my guy, Terrence. Enjoy the day. And that's it. But. It's look. At, wish, least, at least he's saying happy birthday. Do you wish you had somebody who would tweet for you? Oh God, yeah. Kidding me? I don't want to do anything anymore. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm ready to just. Although I wouldn't trust anybody. <laughs> I wouldn't trust anybody. You can't. 
You can't duplicate this level of humor and brilliance on Twitter. <laughs> you absolutely can. Texture says, my wife and I are both working from home today, and I asked her if she wanted to listen to the Rutherford Show today. She said, no, I don't want to listen to the Ramsey and Rutherford Show. What an idiot. <laughs> come on. It's been like three years. I tried to actually get John on this week to come in. I thought, I've tried a couple of times. Uh, he did, I think the first week I was on, we did a, a Ramsey and Rutherford Show reunion. And uh, there have been a few times where Trevor's been out and I've said, you know, we'd love to have you on. And he just hasn't been able to make it work for other reasons. He just started a new job this week. So it was terrible timing. He's, he's got something going on for the city. He's also got a number of, I think, podcast stuff in the works. But uh, he, he's going to try to make it on at some point. But he couldn't do this week, unfortunately. But I, I'd love to catch up with John on air and go back and forth. I also, I mean, I wanted to get John on during the season last year because if anybody could spin a 4-28 and season in a positive, like I needed the positivity because it yeah. was just me and Trevor being like, this is terrible yeah. for three hours every single day. We could have used, and I don't even know, maybe John wouldn't even be positive. Maybe he'd be, you know, maybe he'd be just more negative than anybody. Maybe he's been taken down. I don't know. I need to catch up with him. I need to hear Texture says, also, is Tyler Johnson coming or not? The only word I saw on Twitter was someone saying he's a, quote, credit short. One credit. I've heard it's more than that. At least when, when I was hearing things like a month and a half ago that there was something going on. I don't know. I, I can't tell you the exact situation, so I, I don't want to speculate. All I know is the same people who were very confident that it was going to be fine a month ago are – I'll say, like, average level confident. Like, th- th- there's certainly a little bit of, man, we, we, we don't really know how this is all going to play out. He did graduate from high, from high school, which you'd think would be enough to <laughs> to get you eligible for college, but apparently not. He, he is still trying to work some things out. I don't have any real word, but he's not here yet. Is he someone that's expected to get a lot of playing time or any playing time for that matter? I don't think a lot of play- – I think he's the guy that they're hoping is going to be the backup point guard and a guy that eventually is going to fit the, the Kenny Payne program mold of, of getting better and coming in. He does do a lot. I mean, he's a New York point guard. He's very good at getting to the rim, very athletic. He was going to go to Memphis. He kind of, I think he fits that system really well. He has that super athlete, super competitive kid. Um, the defense is going to have to get better for sure. Like I, I don't think he'd be a guy who's ready for – God forbid if Sky Clark got hurt, that he could step into that role and be like a 35-minute-a-game type guy. Mm-hmm. But I do think he could play that role, the, the, the role of guy who can come in and give you 10 to 12 better than Fabio Basile or Hersey Miller were able to last year, which I know is not saying a great deal. But I think he can, if nothing else, he at least will push Sky Clark during practice because all I keep hearing from practice is like, it, it's, Sky Clark is dominating because nobody can guard him. Which is the same thing we heard last year with L. Ellis because and it's because we don't have another ball handler. We we don't have another point guard. We need him to at least come in there and and push Sky a little bit during practice and make him better. Because right now I'm not sure that that's happening. But I don't have an official word. I am pessimistic about it. Uh, I mean, I I feel like just based on the the talk, I don't feel great about it. Texas, I'm definitely getting the Scoots playlist today. Come on. I love I mean, th- this is that's right in my wheel. That's where I was listening to country music. If there's one thing I know, 90s, good, good music, it's late 90s through early 2000s country. Yeah. That's right. I'm, that's my jam. You're showing yourself so far. You're three for three. Oh, just wait. I got can't some wait. bangers coming up. I can't wait. Uh, Indiana Leary says, what's the email to sign up for the Big X Golf Scramble? It's uh, Big X Scramble at Yahoo.com. 
Big X Scramble at Yahoo.com. I need a team, I guess. I, I, I assumed I was going to have like I assumed I was like going to be on the Big X team, but I I guess I need a team. I told if, you I told you my brother would take you, right? I'll play with him. He said he'd love to have you. Let's make it happen. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't I don't like the way you framed that, but I will I, I will play golf with he, him. Let's just say he listens. He's the one who listens to the show almost every day. He'd he'd love to golf with you. I can't wait. That's all I need is Scoot's brother. He's pretty good. <laughs> he's inconsistent. That's fine. He he ta- he too. he partakes in the devil's lettuce so. At certain, at some point, he might cross the line and just turn bad. That's okay. I mean, I've, trust me, I've been in those situations playing many times <laughs> before. I, mean, I have, I have been around marijuana on the golf course many times. It's uh, it, it's quite okay. Texas says, "I'm still just really sad that Keith said he doesn't ever hug his kids." I don't, I don't think he said that explicitly. Was that was was that a verbatim quote? It, pretty much what he said. Yeah, he said he <laughs> doesn't really show a lot of affection with his kids. He's more of a big gesture guy. I knew he said that. Yeah. But he lets his money talk. He he yeah, he lets just just spend. He'll, he'll buy his kids love. I can, I mean Keith is a he's a he's a reserved guy, which is funny because he made the he gave a little anecdote about every time he enters a new room, his wife has to hug him and stuff. Yeah. Like his wife is very much the exact opposite. Like she is very bubbly. She is the sweetest woman alive. Like and it, it's so funny. Like just opposites do attract. Like they're yeah. very much the the yin and the. But he found the perfect. She she is. She's like a professional nanny. I know she's worked at, at schools and stuff. So she has no problem like taking the kids all day Saturday while Keith watches football from like 11 a.m. to like That's 2 perfect. in the morning. It's, yeah, he's, he's in heaven. And he may not be affectionate with his kids, but I guarantee they got the best presents every Christmas. Because <laughs> he's got a connection with Santa Claus. He does. <laughs> the best, so it, you know, Louisville's such a small city. His, um, he, and I don't think he minds me talking about this. We've talked about it before. His ex like worked with my mom. At, uh, at the preschool and she makes really really good cakes and you know they still have a, they have a really good relationship and, and her and, and Kelsey get along his current wife get along really really well and so I, I was like yeah it's like I don't know if you knew this like I was like I was like you're actually like she made the, the cake for my 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 uh, my grandma's birthday and it was really good and all this stuff and I was like I think I think I think you heard about it mom and Kelsey were talking about it and he was like He's like, no. He's like, I don't. I don't talk to her. Kelsey just. He's like, he's like, I don't. He's like, I don't even, didn't even know she made cakes. I was like, it's just Keith. That's, that's who he is. He's great. Uh, Texture says. Also, we need to, to decide. Oh, he says, uh, is this Joe Diffie Day? Not Joe Diffie Day. It's. Uh, I've debated making it Joe Diffie Day. What other songs does Joe Diffie have? Uh, he's got Pickup Man. Okay, I know that one. You've got. Uh... Well, we've got Ooh, two. That's one out. Man, so you, I'm struggling. You've got to find six if you're going to make a Joe Diffie day, but we're not going to. Pro- oh, prop me up beside the jukebox. That's In a case good one. I, that's a good one. Yeah. Texas, is this your first time producing Scoots? Sheesh, you're acting like young Patrick Ryan. I guess that was with the YouTube commercial. <laughs> he can't control <laughs> yeah, that, that. That's not his fault. It's out of my control. I promise the whole podcast will be up today, unlike young Patrick Ryan. Texas, also, what game are we watching we need to decide? I think let's make sure that the – if the '93 Liberty Bowl is on YouTube in full, that's my choice because I haven't. I don't think I've watched that game since, and it's a Jeff Brom game that can get us excited. Um, let's see, yeah, it, it's it's up there. If you just search '1993 Liberty Bowl, Louisville Cardinals versus Michigan State Spartans pops up. Uh, Justin Thurman, and that's that's our choice. We're gonna watch that at some point. You've got a week to watch it. Next Wednesday, we're gonna discuss it for an hour uh, in the second hour of the show. I'm sure Trevor won't watch it. So Did you bring that up talking. today? I think we talked about okay. this on Tuesday. Gotcha. Okay. You, you, you were gone because I was like, I don't, day. I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, we do. Um, we did rewatches last year. 
okay. where we would pick an old game and it was like part of the summer radio trying to move things along. We'd get, give an assignment, watch this game, and then we'll, we'll talk about it on the show and like think, talk you know, the funny commercials and the things that came up that we forgot. And the first time we did it, we did the blackout game against West Virginia, the, the famous 2006 game, and went great. It was fantastic. Second time we did it, Trevor just didn't watch the game and then tried to make up for it by watching the game while the show was going on. <laughs> He's like, oh, yeah, Aaron Bailey. I was, like, you can't, I was like, you can't do this, Trevor. I was like, you're not even listening to me. It's too late. You're done. And so it went horribly. But uh, th- this is what we'll do. 93 Liberty Bowl next Wednesday. We'll make that part of the show. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, you guys have filled up the text line. We appreciate it. More from you on the Thornton's text line. i got a couple other things that I want to get to before we get to the 5 o'clock hour as well. Keep it locked right here. Or Rutherford Show is next on 1450 PGA Tour news. Get it. So there had been a big part of the agreement between the PGA Tour and, and Live Golf had been stop poaching each other's players. Namely, Live stop poaching PGA players. The Justice Department has now demanded that that clause be dropped from the deal. Apparently, not allowed. So Live, if they want to, can continue to go after the best players in the PGA Tour. Hmm. Hmm. This deal is looking more and more like crap for the PGA than it was from the very beginning. They they got taken to the woodshed here. It's not looking good. I don't know what's going on, but maybe should have thought twice about this. Also, breaking news on the ACC front. So we've talked a lot about TV deals. Uh, the ACC has finally broken away from the deal with with uh, Fox Sports Net, now Bally Sports, that, that forced a number of UofL games and, and games for other teams to be played on Bally Sports South or what have you, the regional sports network games where people couldn't actually find the games. And it has driven fans crazy for the last few years. They're free of that. And now they have a new deal. And it's exciting for us around here. The CW Network has announced that it has, exclu- it has secured exclusive broadcast rights to 50 ACC college football and basketball games each season through the 2026-2027 season. So... CW, I mean, we have a relationship with uh, WBNA back in the day here. If you flip on that, watch a UFL game, you can see a commercial for the Mike Rutherford show now. See, Pete, speaking of relationship, that's what I was sitting here wondering. Is that is this the ACC getting in bed with Liv? Could be. The, the, the Saudis are getting the, the piff. It's coming into America now. <laughs> They've got through. They broke through. They're going after uh, Pitt Panther basketball. That's the, their, <laughs> first, uh, this, their first target. 
Commissioner Jim Phillips says, we are thrilled to be adding the CW to our weekly television lineup for ACC football and basketball games. The CW's national distribution will directly benefit our student-athletes, teams, alumni, and fans. We appreciate ESPN and Raycom working together, and we look forward to this partnership with the CW. I don't know what's on the CW besides, you know, we have what, OVW on there. I don't know what else, like, national shows are on there, but watch those and then watch some ACC. Is it, didn't, wasn't CW back in the day, they played, like, a lot of, like, uh, Gilmore Girls and what was the other girly show when we were growing up? That sounds right. A lot of the, what was the, the show about? It's like, like Seventh the, Heaven and, God, like, shows like that. Show. Yeah, I think that that's, that's what that was. That's the CW. They're doing well for themselves. They're still around. Good they're, for them. Still kicking. I also, reading that quote from Jim Phillips, it also reminds me, I'm surprised he's not getting a little bit more heat for this whole Northwestern thing. I mean, he was the president of Northwestern when all of this alleged hazing and, and racial discrimination was happening, and now he just kind of, you know, he, he jolts away to the ACC to be the commissioner, and he, this seems to have not really touched him. He seems to have gotten kind of off scot-free, but it's all on Pat Fitzgerald. He's gone. He's done. The, the ESPYs were last night. Scoots, did you know this? I did. I heard that earlier today. See, but I didn't know. Yesterday, we, I had no idea. I had no idea. And I guess we probably should know because I think that they've settled into this this role of being on the day after the All-Star game where there are quite literally no other sports happening besides the occasional Gold Cup semifinal or you know, Wimbledon and these sports that aren't at the heart of the American sports landscape. Uh, but the, the, the SPs were last night. I did not know it was happening until I started seeing some videos pop up on. I saw like the Damar Hamlin video was all over the, the Twitter. I saw the uh, Angel Reese guaranteeing or not guaranteeing, but stating that they're going to win another national championship was on there. Do you normally watch it? No. Okay. I probably haven't watched it since like the maybe the early two thousands, if then. Yeah. The I, I do the, the closest I get to watching it is rewatching the Norm Macdonald intro every year. Where he didn't where he brings up the Charles Woodson, first defensive player to win the Heisman Trophy. It's an achievement nobody can ever take away from you unless you murder your wife and a waiter. And the the horrified look on Ken Griffey Jr.'s face as they pan to him is just <laughs> that's me watching the ESPYs every year. It's fantastic. But since we since neither of us watched, I I, I can quiz you on who you think won some ESPY awards. Yeah, let's time. do it. Best athlete, men's sports. You're not gonna give me multiple choice? I can, I, I can. Oh no, I'll, I'll say one. Best athlete men's sports. It's a broad category. Is what they do. With the, the and this is all from 2022 or this, past sports year. This is all from the past sports year. I guess I can look up the nominees, but I'm gonna go uh, Jokic. Great, great guess. The I don't even know if he was a nominee. He clearly did not win because <laughs> of the way that I just framed that. Uh, he was a nominee. Nikola, oh, cool. Nikola Jokic, Aaron Judge, Patrick Mahomes. And Lionel Messi were the four nominees. Oh, it has to be Messi then. Coming back home or coming home, coming home to the United States. No, it wasn't Messi. It, it was, was Patrick. Mahomes. It was Patrick yeah, Mahomes. For sure. Patrick, come on. I don't, I don't know why. It seems silly. Best female athlete or best athlete women's sports. Michaela Schriffen, who's a skier. Yep, I know her. Sophia Smith, who's a member of the Portland Thorns. Wasn't her. Iga Swatek, who I, I, I never yeah, know how to pronounce, is, is the number one tennis player. Mm-hmm. She's got upset a couple weeks ago. And then Asia Wilson of the Las Vegas Aces in basketball. Got to be Asia Wilson, right? Michaela Griffin. Griffin. Really? The skier. Well, she's, I think that was the, this was the last year of her career. And she broke the record. And yeah, I, I should have guessed that. What record did she break? Uh, she most, like this. most medals, most golds, something. 
Well, that'll do it. She's the most winningest skier ever. Breakthrough athlete. Caitlin Clark. Iowa women's basketball. I mean, you don't even have to say anymore. Is That's it, the answer. Is it breakthrough if it's like we just we weren't paying enough attention to her? Cause like, it's not True, like, yeah. It's she not like Caitlin a... Clark hasn't been good. Yeah, you're right. She just made a national splash. Uh, Brock Purdy, San Francisco 49ers, Angel Reese, LSU women's basketball, or Julio Rodriguez, Seattle Mariners. I'm going Brock Purdy, actually. Angel Reese won. Seriously? That's, she, she got on the set. That's when she made the, uh, the, the proclamation that they're going to win another one. Whatever. Oh, I should have took that context clue from earlier. Dang it. <laughs> yeah, that was it. You set me I, up. I figured I kind of gave that one away, <laughs> but that's okay. Best record-breaking performance. Was it Novak uh, Djokovic winning his 23rd Grand Slam title? Nope. Was it LeBron James surpassing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for the NBA scoring record? Was it Michaela Schriffen breaking the record for most World Cup victories with her 87th win? Or was it Max Verstappen breaking the record for most wins in a season? I mean, Max Verstappen just wins. That's all he does is win. So it's, I'm it's gonna. It's, so it's not Max Verstappen. It's got to be LeBron, right? LeBron is the correct okay. answer. Yeah, yeah, he got up there and he uh, he made a quote that pissed off some people for some reason. I guess people just want to be pissed off. Where he was like, at some point, I, I'm I'm gonna reach a point where I'm just not able to do this anymore. But lucky for you guys, I'm not at that point yet. And then people were like, oh, lucky for. I'm like, well, yeah. I mean, he's kind of he's. I still like. I enjoy watching LeBron play every now and then. By the way, I'm pretty sure Verstappen's won nine of eleven races this year. I saw the stat that he doesn't Crazy. need he doesn't need to win another race to win the the the, the world championship. I've, I've if he tried finishes second in every race moving forward. He still would win the world. Championship. I've tried so hard to get into Formula One because one of my best friends is really big into it. But it's just I I, I need more parity. You know, I, I can't have the same guy winning every week. That's you, so boring. You're starting at the wrong time. It, it got good. A couple of years ago, and even last year, you would have some random races where, like, somebody who wasn't who's been middle of the pack for most of the season would would win because there was some crazy. Like Silverstone last year was great. This year, it's all been and the announcers try so hard. Like they spend so much time focusing on it's like Lando Norris and Lewis Hamilton in the battle for, and they don't even mention the fact that that Verstappen is ahead by eight seconds right. and has been up the entire. Like, yeah, he he either starts on the pole or he moves into first within the first five laps and then just never trails again. It's not fun. Red Bulls ruined. It, it was we. There was that race a few weeks ago, though. That was fun when he was he was up by I don't know like twenty some seconds, and he he called to his team and asked him what the fastest time was <sighs> that day, and they were like, "You don't need it, just bring it home." And he just went out there anyway. and yeah. did it anyway. So he, he that was got, awesome, and he got fastest lap too. And still yeah. won by five seconds. Yep. It was yeah. That was as somebody who does not like Max Verstappen, I was like, "This, <laughs> son of a, this is I, I hate this guy." Best championship performance was it Leon Edwards from UFC? Defeating Kamaru Usman by a fifth round KO. Was it Nikola Jokic winning the MVP of the NBA Finals? Was it Lionel Messi scoring two goals in the World Cup final and winning man of the match? Or was it Rose Zhang defeating Jennifer Cupcho in a two hole sudden death playoff and becoming the first woman in 72 years to win her first professional tournament? I'm going to go Messi. It was Messi. Yeah. That was, I feel like that was the easiest one. Now, Leon Edwards made me think about it a little bit because Usman was regarded as untouchable. See, I don't, I don't know anything about UFC. I feel like they just threw that in there to get a UFC <laughs> category. Best comeback athlete, John Jones of UFC, Jamal Murray from the Denver Nuggets, Alyssa Thomas of the Connecticut Sun, or Justin Verlander of the New York Mets slash Houston Astros. I'm going John Jones. He came back to a different weight class, and the fight didn't even last like two minutes. They gave it to Jamal Murray. Really? Missed the entirety of last season with a torn ACL in his left knee. And then came back, didn't play for 18 months. He did have a good season. 
He did. Won, won, a, won a world championship. Best play. Oh, God. The Michael Block hole in one. <laughs> Blocky. My friends hate Blocky. I can't. I, I, I love I, the guy. I'm done with Blocky. When he did the whole, like, the only thing difference between me and Rory is he's longer off the tee. I was like, okay, Blocky. And then he finished dead last the tournament. Blocky enjoyed the spotlight a little too much. He did. Yeah. He was like, yeah. He's like, even if I don't, if I, I get to go home and see my kids, I'm, I'm still a winner. I'm like, okay, Blocky. You've you've been away from your kids for two weeks, and you'd miss it again if you were involved in the next tournament. Was it Justin Jefferson with the catch of the century in the NFL? Was it Ali Lemos with the perfect corner to tie the national championship game in the NCAA? Or was it Trinity Thomas, a perfect 10, tying the all-time NCAA record in gymnastics? I'm going to go Michael Blunt. I, I actually can't find the winner. <laughs> <laughs> it was Justin Jefferson with the catch of the century. Oh, okay. All right, last one we'll do. Best team. I don't think you need nominees, but if you want, Denver Nuggets, nah, Georgia that, football. That's where I'm going. Nuggets. Kansas City Chiefs, Las Vegas Aces, LSU women's basketball, Oklahoma softball, or Vegas Golden Knights. Actually, I'm going Oklahoma softball. They gave it to the Chiefs. Oh, okay. I mean, it, Oklahoma softball deserves it. They lost like yeah. one game in softball where they play like 60. Yeah. But whatever. Uh, best college athlete in men's sports. This is the last one, I promise. Zach Eady. Duncan McGuire, who's a Creighton soccer player, Brennan O'Neill, Duke Lacrosse, or Caleb Williams, USC football. Or E, Trace Jackson Davis, Trace. Indiana basketball. I'm going with E, Trace Jackson Davis, Indiana basketball. Well, that's the incorrect answer. <laughs> Zach Eady, it's got to be. Best college athlete, Caleb Williams, USC really? football. Yeah, they went ahead and gave it to him. That has been your SB's rundown. It happened last night. It's a real thing. I, don't, I have no idea who hosted it. I don't. I, I thought I remember hearing they didn't have a host for the first we'll time. Explain that. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. Because cool. well, they've they've got the, I guess the writer strike is happening, so they didn't have anybody to write jokes for these terrible athletes who suck at hosting. Are there any businesses that aren't striking? You got UPS. You got this. UPS is striking. Well, they're they're in negotiations, well, but mean, they're not good. Now we got new strikes going on. I mean, what by the way, I learned the other day. As I was doing a shuttle run for the hotel, we drive a lot of UPS drivers to the airport and whatnot. How many airplanes do you think UPS has in their fleet? Oh, God. I mean, um, this absolutely blew my mind. I don't even know. I'm afraid to make a guess. I feel like I, it's like an embarrassingly – I'm gonna be, I'll tell you. I'll, I'll give you a clue. Southwest has about 1,200. Okay. UPS has – 220. 308. Yeah. That low. Isn't that nuts? My initial guess, I, I was like, it's either going to be like 32 or it's going to be like 8,000. I was like, I, I was like, but my initial thought was somewhere around like probably, like, I was going to say like 500. Yeah. I asked one of the pilots and I was expecting him to give me any number over 1,000. And he goes, oh, like 308. And I was like, what? Doesn't make any sense. I see 308 sitting right there on the runway. I hear these every damn day over <laughs> my house. Uh, yeah. But we have now the, the Hollywood actors going on strike. Got the uh, it's it's a lot going on. So Fran Drescher dressing down. Love Fran Drescher. She was she was on she that was, voice is phenomenal. She was in the zone today, going off on the people who are you know billionaires and not paying the people who are writing. It's 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 all happening. We're, we're gonna we're not gonna have any TV shows coming up next year. It's gonna drive me crazy. Texas says I like Kevin Harned. I've joined in booing him at football games, thinking that it was all meant in a fun joking way. I can tell you, I I don't think that. 
Kevin did not think it was a joking thing. I you don't, don't think? think? No, I, I I know that Kevin did. <laughs> Kevin didn't really appreciate it. <laughs> I think he took it he took it a little personally. Five zero two four one four fourteen fifty is the Thornton sex line. We'll take a few more texts here before we wrap up this hour. Texture says kids need summer vacations, three months. Let them enjoy their childhoods. This year-round school stuff is terrible. Agreed. I agree. Glad I, it wasn't around when I was there. I don't know if it's just because it's like what you and I and, and most people listening are used to. Because I have, like most people our age, such fond memories of the summer and oh, yeah. and being off from you know, early June until late August and just having those months, just playing baseball and getting snow cones, going swimming, going on vacation, all that stuff. I just can't. Like I, I wonder if the kids that are now used to year-round school and that have, will, will wind up doing it their entire lives will look back and be like, I can't even imagine having three months off but not getting two weeks for spring break and a three-week fall break and all this stuff. I, I mean, I, maybe it's just because we, it's what we're used to, but I, I, I loved having the big break. I would gladly sacrifice an extra week of spring break to get a full three months of summer back. In the maybe that's something we should start rubbing in kids' faces, you know? Like, yeah, suck it. We have to work and pay bills, but we had a nice long summer when we were your age. Back in my day. I mean, it just, yeah. I mean it's got to be tougher for – I guess it's easier for parents because you don't have to have as much summer child care. I don't, I don't know. I have no idea. Texture says, who has the more loyal fan base? IU, UK, or UofL? Isn't this all subjective? Yes. Um, I mean, my answer would obviously be B-I-U. UK. Uh, I thought you were going to go like No, UK for sure. I will say this for IU fans. like They still do a good job of making Assembly Hall pretty packed on, a, on an annual basis despite uh, it's having... Still, it's still the thing to do there. It's, it's clearly still the thing to do. And there is, for my money, there are very few better big game environments than Assembly Hall with a legit top 10 opponent or a big time rival there. Like That mm-hmm. place is on... It's straight cocaine when you have like assembly hall just just jumping. I mean, I've got, I have the, everyone has that one friend that just seems to skate their way through life and can sneak in. Like I've got a friend who just you'll be watching a the, the Monday night football game in San Diego and he's like, oh yeah, I'm here and I'll like text our group and be like, I'm 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 on the field. Like he just he's been to a million <laughs> sporting events. He would always sneak into stuff. He would any big time sporting event that you can name, he's been there and he still says the best home environment he's ever been to was when IU hosted Duke back in, this was like, I want to say like 2008, 2009 or something. It was, it was when they were getting good again. And Duke was number one in the country. And he was like, he's like it was beyond insane. Like He's like, that was the, the best home game environment I've ever been to. Um, the fans are definitely loyal. And I think oh, that, yeah. Yeah. you know, Kentucky fans are, are clearly insane. But they are, a lot of them are loyal. They're loyal in the sense that like, they will scream about how they're they're not fans anymore and they're ne- they're not going to go to games and get but they still go. It's yeah, they don't. Like, yeah, they don't go anywhere. They're crazy. U of L fans, I think their loyalty has certainly been tested in recent years, and and you can you could bring up the attendance ratings numbers for for the last couple of seasons to justify having them them third on this list. But U of L fans were always kind of the I don't want to say always because back in the day it was just guaranteed Freedom Hall was going to have nineteen thousand plus regardless of who we were playing. It was going to be a sellout every single game. And times have changed, and I think that Louisville being a big city fan base has been hit the hardest just because there's more to do. The, 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 you know, If you're going to a UofL basketball game on Wednesday night, it's your whole night, and it's a ton of money. And 
maybe you've got kids, maybe you've got something else going on, maybe you've got a, a late work. Like it's just a, it's a little bit different. I don't think that they're less loyal than Kentucky or Indiana fans, but it may look like it based on the attendance numbers. And we'll see. I mean, if they if it's bad again this year, that evidence starts piling up. I mean, their loyalty is really going to be tested now because people are it's four and twenty eight season. You're coming off that. How much are you willing to support this program and try to get them back on track? We'll find out. Uh, all right, that's hour number two. We'll, we'll come back here. I've got a couple of odds and ends stuff for hour number three. We'll obviously take more texts from you guys at 502-414-1450. Maybe rehash some thoughts on Jeff Brom's press conference. All that coming your way next. Keep it locked right here. More Rutherford Show next here on The Big X. And I said, hey, pretty lady, won't you give me a sign? I'd give anything to make you my mind. I'll do your bitches be if you beck and call. Yeah, I've never seen anyone looking so fine. Man, I gotta have her. She's a one of a kind. I'm going to I'm so a lady in a long black dress but she won my heart it was no contest with a ruby red lip blonde hair blue eyes well I'm about to bid my heart goodbye She's so kissable Uggable Lovable Unbelievable She's a mouthful of anything and everything a man could want Yeah She ain't typical She's available. It's a miracle. How my heart stumbled into someone so Justin Kalen, a.k.a. Scooter Ding, is bringing the 90s country heat today. Having a good time with it. We're enjoying it. I feel I'm ready for that Atlante FC promo to stop running. I feel uncomfortable. I feel like when I say <laughs> got one more day. Of when, it. when I say Vamos Morados and when I talk about the fan fiesta, it feels like Michael Scott when he's throwing like a fiesta for for Oscar. I feel like it's just wrong. I feel like the, I just cringe. I'm like I know it's it's the script. It's fine, but I just I feel like there's I don't know. I don't I don't, I don't like it. I don't, I, I don't like hearing it. You know what I don't like about it? You always say. On the when the ones you say in English, you say "Go Big Perp." That's, the, I that's wish for you, racing Louisville. Though. I wish you would have said "Vamanos Morados Grande." You just left out the Grande. Well, "Go Big Perp" is the racing Louisville tagline. Oh, both teams don't use that. The Loose City, I believe, is like "Come on, you boys in purple." Come on, you boys in purple. Yeah. Vamos Morado. I guess I could have. Or Vamos Morado. That, that would have made it worse. <laughs> just saying it right now just made me feel even worse about it. Speaking of that game, it, it's uh, uh, Saturday. Louisville City FC hosting Mexican club Atlante FC in a friendly match. It's going to kick off at 8 p.m. That fan fiesta is at 6 o'clock. They're going to have food trucks, vendors, and live music. We're going to give away two tickets this hour to that game. So keep it locked right here to have your chance to to win tickets to that. Uh, Louisville City how do they they play played Pittsburgh last night? I, I last I saw that game was it was tied late and then I was distracted. I was also I was in soccer, full soccer mode last night. I started watching the the Gold Cup and I wasn't Pittsburgh won last night. Won that. So we need to bounce yeah. back. Yeah. It's a friendly, but we need to bounce back. I also just watched the episode of Ted Lasso where they they just they lose the friendly and Roy Kent does the post game. He's like, it's a fake game. It's a fake performance. You're a fake reporter. Like He's just like going <laughs> off. And I was like, that's, that's all I can think of now when I hear friendly. But Atlante FC coming to town for an 8 p.m. kickoff at Lynn Family Stadium. We'll hook you up with tickets coming up later this hour. Uh, we've talked. I, I saw this news come across the wire, too, and I, I've got to 
this is a this would be a great time to have uh, Trevor on the hotline. Uh, God knows what Trevor's doing right now, but we can't get a hold of him. Should I cold call him? No, <laughs> but I feel like you know he's a he's an old man about a lot of things, especially when it comes to sports. But wrestling is kind of the deal where he's like you know wrestling he's wrestling has very little. We need to change up because of social norms, or we need to change up because. I don't know. It may help the health of our athletes or whatever. Like wrestling has stayed, it evolves, but not in in certain areas that I think would piss Trevor off. But AEW has announced today they're banning chair shots. What? No more chair shots because all this evidence has come out that chair shots is leading directly to all these um, these head problems. People are developing CTE. They're having huge issues later in life. They don't really hit them though. Really on the head? They get hit. I mean, I mean, I think they do on like the back, but I don't know if they actually hit them in the head. Well, they're not anymore officially. And That's I can wild. see, I can see Trevor being like, "How dare you put the the health of your athletes above my enjoyment of chair shots?" That is wild. Yeah, they're AEW's excited. I've only watched it once, but I remember the only time I ever turned it on, the first fight or the first. I don't know, what is it, match of the night, I guess, was a tables, ladders, and chairs match. And I was like, this is awesome. That's how this. That's how they start out a show. So were you like me? You, you were kind of into wrestling when everybody was into wrestling. and then Yeah, of, with The Rock and Stone yes, Cold yeah. and the, the Triple H. There. Yeah. It was the cool thing to be. Exactly. I, see, I liked it as a, a little kid, too. When Hulk Hogan was dominating WWF, I was very into it then. Yeah, I didn't really watch then. Got out of it when Hulk left to, for WCW, and then I got back into it when I was in, like, probably, I guess, Seventh, eighth grade, freshman year of high school, and then kind of ever since I haven't really watched. Yeah, really, I only had like a six, maybe seven year stretch where I watched it, and you can credit a majority of that to Trish Stratus. Sable was Sable was good too. Tori Wilson helped make me a man. Tori Wilson was nice. Tori Wilson, uh, Terry Runnels, yeah, that was they had a nice little stage. Shoot, even Stephanie McMahon, give her some credit. It was a big part of. (laughs) There was. This is a terrifying story. Now that I look back at it, there was—I I vividly remember one Monday Night Raw where this is when Sable was, she was the manager of Mark Mara, who was her real life husband. I think at that time, and the the, the storyline was she's very attractive, but Mark Mara doesn't want the rest of the world to see her. She, he always wants her covered up and all this stuff, and he made her wear this burlap, this like little literal potato sack for their match. <laughs> And then she took it off, and she at the end of the match she took it off, and she had like just handprints on on over her breasts, and like I think handprints over her other private parts. She was very scantily clad. And growing up, there was this old man that lived next door to us, and his name was Dean. I can say it now because he has since passed, but he was very weird, very strange. And his bedroom and my bedroom lined up, so that, like I could like our windows were like right across from each other. Oh, weird. And like I was, I'd watch that night, and then like I looked over, and his TV was in in my line of vision. And he kept rewinding and pausing no, the scene where the, the sack came off. And I like, told my mom, I'm like, oh, my God, Dean's watching this. And like my sister, I remember, <laughs> was in there, and she's like, I wish we could see him. And my mom goes, no, you no, don't. You don't. <laughs> no, yeah. no, you don't. I was like, oh. And then it took me like a couple of years to realize what she was talking about, what was happening there in that situation. But I was like, oh, oh God. my God. Dean. El Dean Arino. He, uh, Damn, Dean. That was, that, that was rough. But shout out to Sable. We still love her. Uh, 502-414-1450 the Thornton's text line the CW now is trending everywhere this news that they have signed this deal with the ACC and I guess I hadn't realized this because I don't and this may shock you I don't keep tabs on all the latest news with the Pac-12 and their television rights but apparently the Pac-12 network is is so invisible so few people have it Pac-12 has been doing anything and everything they can to bolster their TV deal they had been in talks with the CW 
about having something similar. And the talks have been going back and forth, installing and back and forth, installing. And it sounds like the CW was like, all right, to hell with you. Like, we're not taking over your network. We're not signing this big deal. We're just going to buy 50 ACC games. And that's where, that's where we stand now. So we've got the CW. They're a new partner. If you can't find a Louisville game on one of the ESPN family of networks on, on ACC Network or what have you, it may well be on the CW between now and 2627. Um, why Shohei Otani trend? Because he's Shohei Otani. I, I saw that Buster Olney was trending this morning because he thinks the Yankees are going to get him. And I was like, let's. Where would your money be? The Dodgers. Same. I think that that's, it makes the most sense. And, and they'll keep him as a long-term option. If the Yankees get him, it would just be, I think, a maybe a buy for this season. I don't know. Why uh, is gas leak trending? Gas leak, there's a gas leak in Houston and nobody knows where it is. They just like they sent out a, a an alert to all the citizens of Houston. They're like, it's a gas leak in the city. Take care of yourselves, and nobody knows where it is. At least that's what I saw. Wouldn't that be of, beneficial to know? Yeah, I, I don't know. That's what I saw as of this morning. Speaking on, on the show, Otani news. I love. We talked on Monday. You know, one of my my good friends was recently fired as the hitting coach of the New York Yankees, and he's been in town. And, and last night he sent a. I think we'd all kind of individually reached out to him and, and, and talk with him and stuff. But he sent a message to our old baseball group chat. And he said, like, hey, guys, if you hadn't heard yet, like, I got fired by the Yankees. <laughs> he's like, maybe I'll take over with the Red Sox. Uh, but I think he's doing well. But I, I loved – one of the funniest things about Dylan becoming the hitting coach for the Yankees was his dad, like, drove around in this car. I mean, drove him to school every single day for my entire life with a huge bumper sticker on the back of his car that said Yankee suck for, like, our <laughs> entire childhood. He was like, he had the card that said Yankee suck. And so I, I hit him up last night and I was like, tell Bruce, it's time. The Yankee suck, Yankee suck bumper sticker needs to come back. And he was like, my dad has already burned all of his Yankee stuff. <laughs> and I was like, haha. He's like, no, literally. He, he put it in a fire. He got rid of it all. He's done. Uh, but I'm excited to cheer against the Yankees again. It'll be fun. Speaking it, of uh, Shohei Otani, I, I, I would imagine you would not trade Ellie for him straight up. No. All right, who would you trade from the Reds to get Shohei? Pretty much anybody else. What if that included, like, let's say, Spencer Steer, Kevin Newman, India, and Sinzel? And then, like, three or four future picks. You'd give all that up for Shohei? That's a lot. And then you're you're basically having to replace the entire infield outside of Ellie and Votto. that, That would be tough. I mean, I'd be willing to part with, like, India and Steer... And Senzel. I mean, it's what about what about? Okay, here's this one. What about India, Steer, and um, Encarnacion Strand? It's tough because you're you're basically you're, just getting it for this run alone. Yeah, but you're getting two players out of it. You are, but I, I think that if you're if you're Nick Crawl, and as a Reds fan, this is the way that I feel. As fun as this is right as this is right now. This isn't like the World Series push year. Right. You you feel like you're so young and the pitching you've taken you've had so many bad just breaks there with everybody getting injured and some guys not panning out. You're having fun, you want to go to the playoffs and then you'll see what happens, but the next 2 to 3 years are when you feel like you're really gearing up to make a push. So I would I mean if you're getting Shohei it's just for this year and I probably I probably wouldn't to be honest. As, would as you much, want him at all? Yes, of course. But as much fun as it would be to have him for the stretch run and see how he could he could bolster your team, like even with Otani, 
I mean, you're seeing it, you've been seeing it with the Angels for the last few years. Like he's not enough to just immediately make you a contender on his own. I mean, he's got him right. and, and Mike Trout, who's maybe the other best player in the world, and they haven't flirted with the playoffs yet. So I think you you'd basically be sacrificing your next two to three years if you gave up that much just to get him for this year. And I yeah, I, I was over the weekend a, a couple we were talking Reds, a couple people that I, I didn't know just were talking sports, and they're like, "Would you give up Ellie for Shohei?" And I'm like, "No, I, I wouldn't do it. Yeah. He's just." It'd be great, but you're talking three years of Ellie De La Cruz, who's maybe the most exciting player outside of Shohei Otani, or maybe including Shohei Otani, for two months of Otani, and there's no guarantee that you're going to get a big return on that investment. Yeah, Spears was talking about that earlier this week, and I almost had to cut his mic off when he was talking about trading Ellie. Uh, he was saying he would trade Ellie for, yeah. for Otani for mm-hmm. two. Oh, I wouldn't do it. No, would not do it. He he was throwing stuff in with Ellie, couple picks. I mean, you would like the the Angels are going to ask for a lot, the barn, like for whoever's going to go get him. I mean, they would they would make the Reds give up so much. Mm-hmm. And the Reds, I mean, look, I know draft grades are an inexact science. Everybody who does this sort of thing for the major league for major league baseball has basically said the Reds had one of the three best drafts this year. So I don't want to say Nick Crawl's good at his job because I've been hating on him for so long, but he does seem they have stockpiled a ton of talent. They do seem to be gearing up for a run. They are ahead of schedule, and they've drafted well for sure. They just haven't done it on the field yet, and that's the – we'll see if it can happen. But I, I would I would not sacrifice the next two to three years, which seem very bright, for okay. just making a run this year. It, and it, Look, it's, it's a different story if like Hunter Green's healthy, Nick Lillo's healthy, and they're looking like aces, and you just need that like another ace to add to the mix and another huge bat, and you feel like – Otani makes you takes you from potential World Series contender to potential like World Series favorite, but that's I don't think that would be the case. Um, but God, I'm excited for the Reds to come back. I, I can't believe they're not like tonight. I'm, I'm just I'm 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 jonesing. <laughs> I'm desperate. I need them to come back. I'm I'm just like, counting down the hours until tomorrow night. But baseball is back tonight, so we'll have some games to look forward really? to tonight. Yeah, I mean, ba- pretty much everybody else is playing tonight. MLB? Yeah, it's like a really? full slate. You only get that 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 day off after immediately after the All Star game with no games. I thought nobody started until tomorrow, so that's fun. You got you know you got you got uh, you got games tonight, but just not not us, which which sucks. Or am I wrong about that? No, there's yeah, there are a yeah. ton of games tonight. Yeah, it does look like everybody but us. That sucks. Five zero two four one four fourteen fifty is the Thornton text line. We will uh, we'll take some text. The the, the no, last... you're you are wrong. This is all for Friday. No so, games. Did you do the same thing as me? Where, like you clicked yeah, on it yeah. and it just immediately yeah. took you to Friday. Yeah. So there are no games tonight. No games tonight. So that stat is kind of wrong about the whole like the, the the day before and after the All Star game are the only days without any sort of games in the four major professional leagues. Because now it's it's three days. Three days. Yeah. You used true. to at least have some games. Maybe they counted the ESPYS. <laughs> Since they were all in attendance. <laughs> What's their excuse for today? There's nothing going on. Uh, also, Sean Moth, he chimed in today. He let me know. He fed me the stat about this being the first year that Dan McDonald has not lost a single player from his recruiting class ever. And then he was like, I'm horribly sorry. 2015, we also didn't lose a player. And I was like, I'm never talking to you again. <laughs> you threw me to the wolves out there. I was like an idiot on the radio, even more so than usual. That's on you. So, yeah, blame Sean Moth for that stat from yesterday. But this will be the second time in the Dan McDonald era that UofL has not lost a single player from its recruiting class to the Major League Baseball, not just the draft, but to a professional contract after being drafted. Uh, Let's take some text. 502-414-1450 is the Thornton's text line. Also, 
after we take these texts, we're going to give away before the end of this hour the two tickets to the, the Atlante. Was it Atlante, I have to say? Yeah. The game against the Atlantes uh, tomorrow, <laughs> the, the friendly on Saturday. We'll give away those tickets before we go to break. Texas says, I'll never forget when we all came together to boo Kevin Harned. People enjoyed it. They enjoyed it a little bit too much. Seems like it. It became a thing. So before Kevin Harned. When was this? This was like, I want to say like 2014, 2015, 2016, okay. that, that era. Mm-hmm. Now remember, before Kevin Harned, there was Jared Stillman, formerly known as J-Bone. And I, I will admit, I, I, I kind of I led that charge. I, I, I was very anti J Bone, and it wasn't necessarily because Jared like sucked. It was because they were trying this new promotional scheme, and every time they threw it to J Bone, it was right after something terrible had happened. Like Louisville had just thrown a pick six to fall behind. This is like you know, Cragthorpe era, early Strong era. Louisville had just thrown a, a pick six to fall behind UConn in the third quarter, and they're like, let's toss it over to the party deck in J-Bone! And it was just horrible timing, and Jared was was maybe trying a little bit too hard to make a name for himself, and so everybody just booed him constantly, and he uh, he didn't like it. But it, it, it kind of, that was his villain origin story. Jared loves being the villain now. He loves ma- making the... Is he down in Nashville? Yeah, he loves making the sports fans of Nashville mad at him. He loved being booed. He, like it, it set him up for a great career in sports radio, so I love that charge. I, I'll take credit for all of his success as a radio show host. Texture says, my dad yelled, <laughs> quote, you're dead to me, Harned, after that, and legitimately will turn the TV to another station if Harned ever pops up. I told you, <laughs> local fans were very upset about this. That's crazy. Texture says, uh, did a Canada preseason trip at a D3 school back in the day, which meant that we could start practicing a month and a half early. Half our team quit before the first official game. Foreign trips for small schools are miserable. Hmm. Well, that's that's one way to look at it. Maybe you should have been better and played at a D1 school and had better yep. accommodations. That's on you, Texter. Yeah. U of women are about to tip off at 530 in their second game of the Global Jam, taking on uh, the Canadian team. Again, 530 is the tip-off. You can watch the game on CBS Sports Network. We'll, we'll spruce in some updates. We'll, we'll sprinkle in some updates during the, the, the final 30 minutes of the show. Texter says, uh, this is oh, TJ. He says, we need a fourth. Intern Jacob is dead to us. Oh, did Jacob bail on the big X scramble? Uh, he just doesn't come around or talk to us anymore. We don't know what we did. These interns, man. So, yeah, if you want to play on our team, we'll take you too. There you go. Uh, I'll play. It's the big X team. Yeah. These interns just leave us. Well, Jacob left us for, after like two days. Well, I mean, he's a UK guy doing a U of L show. It's probably miserable. He, 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 he seemed pretty miserable. <laughs> and then right when he went to do KRC, they're like, we're going to try him with KRC. I'm like, he's never coming back. But we're, I'm like, we're never going to see that kid again. And sure enough, we didn't. And I smell better than Trevor. Yeah, there, there, there is that. <laughs> then poor Jenna had to put up with that. <laughs> Texture says, if Johnson doesn't seem to have the credits, put him in touch with the guy who found Robert Mo- Randolph Morris's facts. One of the best local sports stories of all time still is the the famed Tubby Smith, Randolph Morris facts. <laughs> Texas, Trevor would remind you – oh, this is a, that's an old text. The, what, was the, what were the exact details of the Randolph Morris? I, I remember that it was a – they needed something to prove that he was eligible for the next season or that he had not expressed interest to go to the NBA or whatever it was, that he could come back for another year. And the document that they needed to, to prove that – Tubby Smith just miraculously found it lying on a, on a, a pile of stuff on, a, on his desk was the story. 
which was the most just half-assed. In these days, you would need to do even more to, to put a, a good cover story. But we all just accepted it back then. Texture says, I played a Kroger ad over the air in the middle of Mike talking with Matt McGavick when I produced one day. Is that, is that, is that I'm assuming that that's uh, young Patrick Ryan. It's got to be. He, that did happen one time. <laughs> He's learning. He's getting better. It still happens to the best producers out there. Absolutely. Texas, I recommend for a rewatch the UK game versus WKU from 2013. Still a Jeff Brom game. He was the OC with Bobby P, continuing his mastery of the slaps. I do remember watching that game. I do remember it being a, a very fun game, but we need to watch it's U of L games. We don't need to watch. Thank you for not going full Jason Brown there and saying that whole thing. Yeah, I mean, I mean come on. <laughs> Slapdies. That, that was a. Also originated from a, a Car Chronicle post. Actually, it originated with Bobby himself, but it, got, it just got it got spread to. <laughs> so the the way that that came about was a bunch of former. Um, we would always have guest posts on the website back in the day. Our Carmody would do this. He would hit, reach out to former U of L football players, and they would write like a a post about their experience at U of L or just whatever was on their mind. And he reached out to a bunch of former student managers, and it was like the best one of these that we ever had. And they had all these stories about how much Bobby Petrino hated Kentucky. And he, the way that the Slapdies thing started was the story was after they beat him the second time, he would always get a, a framed picture of the scoreboard to hang in his office. And the student manager is like, I got the one that said 28 nothing after his second year victory. And he asked me to bring it into his office. And then he asked me to hold it up. Like I'm, I'm a human wall. <laughs> and he's sitting in there with Paul and he goes, look at that. 28 nothing, slap these couldn't even score a GD point against us, which was great. Like apparently, his hatred of UK started the very first year because he was upset that they kept it was the lightning game. They kept taking the teams off the field, on the field, and he thought it was he thought they were just doing it on purpose to try to disrupt U of L's uh, momentum. And that was the game where it also came out in this post. Louisville was up 33 24. Game's in hand. There's like 10 seconds left. All they have to do is take a knee. They're on like the five yard line of Kentucky. And Petrino over the intercom, the little communication system says, uh, let's punch it in on these mother bleepers. And they score the last second touchdown. UK gets all upset about it. The next year he takes a knee when they're in the same situation and says, let's just give Kentucky what they wanted to. <laughs> but the stories were great. So he posted that on Car Chronicle. And then when it was probably like 2011, 2012, when Petrino gets rehired in 2014, the story starts making its rounds again. Kentucky fans find it. They realize how like all these stories are coming back out. And I remember Rocco Gasparro just texted me and she goes, you're killing me with this. Stuff. I was like, I didn't write. I'm like, the student managers were the ones who put it out there. But it is a, it's a fantastic read if you can still find it floating around on the internet somewhere. Texas, how is Otani not the best male athlete? Should be. He w- he'll win it next year. I mean, he's maybe the, the best like baseball player ever. Mm-hmm. You'd think. Most well-rounded. He's, I mean, he's, he's incredible, but I guess it's, I, I guess what works against him is the lack of team success. If you want to take something away from him, because Mahomes is very good, but his team's also very good. Now, if, if Otani does, let's say for the sake of saying, just because it's the report that's out there today, let's say he gets traded to the Yankees. They make a big push. Maybe they don't even win the World Series, but they make it to the ALCS. They play a great seven games or they make it to the World Series and lose. I feel like his... Because everybody knows who he is, but people don't really watch him play. They see the highlights. Nobody's mm-hmm. tuning into Angels games against the A's at, t- at 10 p.m. on a Wednesday night. 
I feel like his visibility will only increase, and I think and I think that's probably what he's thinking too. Like Mike Trout has always seemed to be okay being the the superstar who can walk around freely in public without being hounded by a bunch of people. Like he's like, give me the money, give me give me the game. I don't need to go play in a big time market. I'm fine with this being the way that it is. I've always wondered how do you, how do you think he communicates with his teammates? Otani? Yeah. It is. I mean. Because he's not alone. I mean, Ellie De La Cruz has a translator as well. A bunch sure. of these players will have Spanish translators. But I did think it was funny. Like he was because he did the mid-game interview at the All-Star game, and they had his translator, and he's talking. But then you see him on the base pass, and he's like he's yucking it up with the third base coach, mm-hmm. and he's doing. I'm like, what's he exactly saying? Here? By the way, did you see the guy doing interviews for the home run derby? The translator guy. I don't think I did. That was one of the hands down one of the coolest things I've ever seen in my entire life. What happened? And I'm I've gotten pretty good at Spanish, so it kind of gave me like a kick in the butt to get even better at Spanish. He was basically he would interview Hispanic speaking players or Spanish speaking players, and he would ask them the question in Spanish, and then he would say it in English for the crowd to know, and then the player would answer, and he would he would basically just translate what the player said in English to the crowd. It was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. I've never seen somebody do the interview and translate at the same time. That is really impressive. It was really cool. I also wonder, you know, is there a Mr. Baseball thing going on with the translators like not giving us the full answer? I always kind of, always, <laughs> yeah. I always sort of wonder because there'll be times like with the, I've watched a lot of Ellie De La Cruz this year and it, it will seem like Ellie's talking for a lot longer than the, the response that we get. I'm yeah. Like, well, like, that, what's he saying that's being left out? That here? happens a lot in UFC. I watch UFC every weekend and if, if they interview like any of the Chinese fighters or whatever, they, they'll go on this long tangent and then the translator will come on and be like, yeah, it was a great fight. I, I did well. It's like, no, no, they, she said more than that, I promise. That's not what happened here. Uh, but I, I do think Otani, just based on the fact that he has let people know that he would like to go to a different market at some point, I think he's got higher aspirations to become more visible. And why wouldn't you? If you've yeah. got, if you have a chance to be remembered as one of the greatest baseball players of all time, why wouldn't you want to be as visible as possible? I think that would be... Although if he goes to New York and somehow like just isn't as good, <laughs> they will eat him up there. I mean, it makes sense. If you're getting compared to Babe Ruth, go to the Yankees. Hell yeah, yeah, for sure. Texas says, IndyCar racing is better than F1 and increasing in popularity. Check out the Toronto race this Sunday at 1.30 p.m. High drama, racing, and great personalities. This is my year deeply following the series, and it's electric. I have heard people are, are excited about this year's Indy circuit, but I'm not into it. Same. I was for a period growing up. Like I, I was big into, I think it was that period where like, you're kind of into whatever your dad's into. My dad's a huge racing guy, and so I would watch Formula One. I loved Ayrton Senna. And so I was a NASCAR guy too. Eh, he he was for a little bit. I think he's been off NASCAR for for years and years. But he's he still will watch IndyCar from time to time. Uh, he was actually part of a group that way back in the day they put all they they pulled all their money together, kind of like you do with horses nowadays for the derby mm-hmm. and they created like they, they built this car together they hired i think it was scott harrington who wound up being a pretty big driver to drive it and they called it the spirit of louisville it was all this it was going to be the louisville car in the indy 500 and it wrecked during qualifying so oh. yeah so scott harrington he's hated forever in the rutherford household <laughs> uh we've got to all right we're gonna give away these tickets to the 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 loose city game on saturday saturday 8 p.m friendly against atlante fc we will um, – all right, here's a question. We'll kind of reward people who have been listening to the show. That's what I like to do. First person to correctly answer the question on the text line, 502-414-1450. Uh, USA, Team USA in the Gold Cup last night got beat by Panama. Who is Panama playing in the finals of the Gold Cup? There you go. 
keep it nice and simple. First person to correctly text in the answer to that question <laughs> to 502-414-1450. You're winning two tickets to Saturday's match. And there's the winner. I, I think it's funny that you're like, I want to no, roll. No, it's not correct. Oh, that is not correct. Yeah, you're not right. Correct, yeah. You're not correct. Who is Panama playing in the finals That's right. of the Gold Cup? Uh, by the way, yeah, you said you want to reward people who have been listening, and then you ask a Googleable question. Well, yeah, still. <laughs> but like, if you were listening and you didn't know before, there we go. Now we got a winner. Boom. Done. Pele is not the correct answer. What do I need to get? Email? Uh, yeah, if you can just text them, get their email. We'll be good to go. Boom. Done. Winner. All right. Uh, there you go. That's uh, The tickets are gone. We've got more tickets for next week. We will uh, we'll also have some more shirts to give away. We'll figure that out. Lucidity Racing Louisville. They're rolling. Racing Louisville is doing very, very well. They are. I mean, Jeff Greer is, is hounding me. He's like, he's like, our teams are overachieving this summer. The Reds and Racing. I know Racing had a, a rough start, but they've been very good since uh, the, the, the first month of the season. So it's, it's fun times out there at Lynn Family Stadium. We'll take a break. When we come back, last segment of the show, we'll also keep you updated on the U of L women who are about to tip off in Canada against Canada at the Global Jam. Keep it locked right here. Rutherford Show rolls on after this on 1450 Stuff. Got the guitar in the background. Yeah. Is that Alan Jackson? It's Alan Jackson. Yeah, that's, that's, that's old school Alan Jackson. My sister robbed him once. Explain, please. She, uh, my my mom, dad, and my sister were hanging out down in, I, I, I don't know where at in Tennessee it was, but wherever he lives. Way down yonder. And uh, Yeah, way down yonder. And her and their son, the other couple's son that went with my mom and dad, uh, they had a cabin right down the road from Alan Jackson. So my sister and their son went up to his house. She checked the basement door for whatever reason. First of all, she goes up on his porch. She said he had this huge porch overlooking a lake. And she rearranged, her name's Ashley, rearranged all his furniture in an A, which I just thought was ridiculous. And then goes downstairs, checks the basement door. It's unlocked. Not only does she go in, she goes in. There's a fridge down in his basement. And she gets herself uh, Gatorade, I think it was, and she got my mom a Coke Zero from Alan Jackson's fridge in his basement. Seems like it's not worth it, 
to potentially yeah. be arrested by right. Alan Jackson. Yeah. I mean, you'd think Alan Jackson probably has some solid. Well, and my sister's system. always been like, she's always had a good head on her shoulders, has never been like a rebel in any way. So, like, that was a big deal for her to go do that. Well, also, like, that's a terrible way to solve like, If you are this person who's never been, like, you're one arrest, like, it's going to make national headlines. Yeah, for uh, sure. You broke into Alan Jackson's. <laughs> Actually, now that you say house. that, I kind of wish it went a different way now. It's a terrible <laughs> idea. She could have gotten into it. Yeah, it could have been a. It could have been a uh, career breaker. It would right have been there. awesome. Yeah, awesome is one word for it. <laughs> I'm sure it's not a few. Speaking of uh, famous local legends, Muhammad Ali, his life is is part of a new musical that's headed to Broadway, but it's going to premiere in Louisville. Would you see a musical about Muhammad Ali? Probably not. You should. I'm not. I'm not a big musical guy. It's, even though Lion King's my favorite Disney movie because of the music. So, like, I, I'm sure it'll be good. But whenever you pitch, like the, the first time that I ever heard the concept of Hamilton, you, know, you think about it and you're like, "That's there's no way that's going to work." And like when I when I think about this, your mind goes to like the least musical, like fighting. I've got to fight him to get my bicycle back. You're like, "How is this? How is this going to work?" About Muhammad Ali telling a story of his life in music. I'm sure it'll be good, but that to me, I was like, oh, I, I did a little bit of a double take. I'm not sure. I, I'll let other people go see it first and tell me. If let it's you good know. Or not. Yeah, yeah l- l- good let idea. me know about that. All right, Scoots, you are a, a college hoops fan. Mm-hmm. Not just you, know, you, you love IU, but you respect the entire game. Sure. Myra Medcalf of ESPN came out with the biggest top 25 what-ifs of the last 25 years of college hoops. Oh, boy. There's some good ones in there. Now, I, I, this does not feature Louisville very heavily, so don't get your hopes up. But it is, I thought, interesting. The first one he had was, what if LeBron James had gone to North Carolina or Duke? He would Over going pro. He would have gone to Louisville. He would have gone to Ohio State. Well, he just, you know, Patino said his dad said he was going to go to Louisville. So there's there's that. Every school likes to claim LeBron. Why didn't you land Bronny then, huh? Well, we should have. <laughs> we should have. I mean, LeBron playing in college would have been cool. Yeah. Would have been fun. But as we can see now, it was completely unnecessary. The second one, I feel like this is the one that everybody always goes to. If Gordon Hayward had hit the game winner against Duke in the 2010 National Championship That's a game. good one, yeah. I mean, it immediately becomes like it's played. It still gets played on every like March Madness clip. Mm-hmm. If it goes in, it's the shot that is – it's like the defining March Madness it's the, shot. Yeah, best shot in history. It, sure. it, it goes over the – it's still talked about more than the Chris Jenkins shot that happened seven years later. It's that was talked good about, too, though. It was great. Like that's the – it's the shot. It, it, it trumps the, you know, the, the NC State, Hail Mary alley-oop. It trumps – Keith what, Smart. Yeah, well, Keith Smart shot, Jordan shot uh, against Georgetown, like whatever you want it to bring up. Like that's the shot, and it, it didn't happen. I mean, it was Butler, Duke, all the, the storylines, David Goliath, all that good stuff. Uh, number three, what if Steph Curry had taken the last shot against Kansas in the 08 Elite Eight? Mm-hmm. I don't blame him. I mean, if you go back and watch that play, like he is, they've got like three dudes on him. They're, they're, they're not letting him. He gives it to Jason Richards, who is good, and had a decent straight-on shot and, and misses at the buzzer. And they lose by two. Curry was also like, he was four of 16 in that game. That's one of those runs that I remember very well, but all the details are fuzzy because I was in Cabo San Lucas. Yeah. And yeah, uh, there's, yeah. There's that. Yeah. I was just all about Steph Curry. But I remember watching him and Davidson when we were down there in Mexico. He was unbelievable. He was, he was fantastic. Um, number four, this is the one that I always bring up Kenyon Martin being healthy for the 2000 NCAA tournament. Maybe Tom Izzo never wins his only championship. Maybe. Bob Huggins becomes uh, a national champion. Cincinnati basketball is looked at a little bit differently uh, as a program that's won a national title this century. Like, didn't happen. 
Uh, number five, refs had properly called the foul instead of a travel against Ray Allen in the 06 Sweet 16 against UNC. That's kind of a reach. <laughs> it's, I said Ray Allen. I meant Allen Ray from Villanova, who famously had his eye popped out of socket in the Big East tournament. Uh, next one, Kendall Marshall hadn't broken his wrist during the 2012 NCAA tournament. This is one that's good, too, because mm-hmm. you know, this is the, the year that Kentucky wound up winning the national championship, had a pretty emphatic run to the national title. And when they played in, in December of that year, it was sort of billed as this potential national title preview. And the entire season, it felt like those two teams were on a collision course. And then Marshall gets hurt against Creighton in the NCAA tournament, which basically, even if they make the championship, they're no match for Kentucky without them. They end up losing to Kansas in the Elite Eight. Kansas is no match for for UK. I still think UK was the best team that year, as much as it pains me to say as a rival fan. But with a healthy Kendall Marshall playing North Carolina in that championship game, it would have been a far better test than Kansas wound up being. I actually forgot about Kendall Marshall. He was good. He was a, he was a very good college player. Um, next one, Memphis hadn't gone cold from the free throw line in the 2008 national title game. I feel like this isn't even like a what if. You know the answer to the question. Yeah. They, they, would have, well, they would have won the national championship. Right. They would have beaten – all they had to do was make a couple free throws. Uh, next one, Brandon Ashley being healthy in 2014. That was the Arizona run – where they ended up losing to Cal. Not that Cal. Who did they lose? It was a, that was when they lost to Duke? I don't know. Regardless, they didn't win at all. They didn't go to the Final Four. Uh, if Roy Williams had stayed at Kansas, a big what if. Mm-hmm. I mean, Kansas has still done pretty well for itself no without doubt. Roy. I think that's, that's fine. Uh, this is for UK fans. The next one. What if officials had called a shot clock violation against Wisconsin in the 2015 Final Four. I mean, that is a a big call. Final two minutes. All the UK fans' blood just started boiling. UK's up two at that point. The Chuck Hayes, uh, not Chuck Hayes, who was, his, who was the Nigel Hayes. Yeah, the putback that was very clearly after the shot clock ties the game. UK starts pressing a little bit. Kaminsky gets a bucket. Decker hits a step back three. Bam, it's over. Perfect season done. What if Robbie Hummel had been healthy for the 2010 postseason? Size scoots. Purdue would have still lost in the Sweet 16. I mean, it's Purdue, so I assume exactly. they're, they're not going to the Final Four. <laughs> what if Billy Donald had taken the Orlando Magic job in 2007? Hmm. What if John Wall had picked North Carolina? Ooh. That's, they would have been better and UK would have been worse. What if Fab Mello had been eligible for the 2012 NCAA tournament? I, st- I don't think that would have changed. That. Fab Mello. Fab Mello. <laughs> R.I.P. I believe he died a few years ago. No way. Yeah. I believe he passed away in like, like uh, 2019, 2018. What if Jody Meeks had stayed and played for John Calipari's first Kentucky team? 2017, you're right. Yeah, that was, that was very sad. What if UConn hadn't been a nine-and-a-half-point underdog against Duke in the 1999 National Championship game? <laughs> we're, we're stretching here, Myron. What if this is a good one though? What if Wichita State had been given a better draw in the 2014 NCAA tournament? Wichita State got screwed. Mm-hmm. As much as we got screwed having to play UK, and as much as, as that that region was loaded, Wichita State. I don't. If you go back and watch that UK game, it was a good team. They deserved a better route because UK. It wasn't just that they had played this like underachieving, talented UK. UK deserved to be a six seed. Everyone thought they were going to be a six seed. The fact that they were an eight was ridiculous, and the fact that they got a 34 and 0 team in the second round was also ridiculous. Uh, what if Gonzaga hadn't blown a 17-point lead against UCLA in the 06 Sweet 16? 
they'd still be without a championship? I think probably still. I mean, 06 was the first Florida championship. They, eh, they probably would have lost Florida. But if Brandon Davies had been allowed to play in the 2011 NCAA tournament, BYU may have won a couple more games. <laughs> what if Samir Dowdy hadn't fouled out, uh, called for a foul against Kyle Guy in the 2019 Final Four? That was the Auburn game. I mean, that's also a very easy answer. If they don't call the foul, the game's over. Auburn wins. They play Texas Tech for the national title. Yeah, if, a lot of these seem like they have conclusions already. Yeah, there's like five good ones. Maybe we should have just like expanded more on the five good ones <laughs> and then just not gone to <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, of course, he's got the big one. What if the NCAA had held a 2020 NCAA tournament? Yeah, that would have been that, that would have been cool. That would have been a good one. There you go. That's the the Every, biggest what ifs. Everybody, we've got COVID of the last 25 years, according to Myron Metcalf. We got about uh, 10 minutes left here in the show. If you want to weigh in on the Thornton sex line, now's the time to do so. 502-414-1450. Um, we've got the U of L women playing right now against Team Canada. I'm trying to get a, a quick update on the score. Um, this is. To my knowledge, the toughest game that they're going to play could be a preview of the gold medal game on Sunday. I think tomorrow is their only day off, I want to say. I think they, it's either tomorrow or Saturday. I should have tomorrow scared. makes sense because men have that day off as so well. They, they would both be off then. They'll play the, the third game of pool play on Saturday and then either the, the bronze medal or the gold medal game on Sunday. Um, it's the same starting five for the, for the U of L women's team. The same five. It's three transfers and then two returning players so we've got uh i, I can't see the score they're up 11 7 11 7 there yep. it is thank you thank you excuse appreciate it go cards go usa texture says there are too many uk basketball and alabama football fans to consider that fan base loyal that doesn't make a lick of sense but it happens they have so many fans that they can't be loyal. That, that doesn't make any sense. Well, I think the, the issue that the texture has is you've got fans that are loyal to UK basketball, but who will say, I'm a Alabama football fan. Okay. Like and, both of those fans. You're yeah. Like there are, I mean, I, I think it's less so these days because UK football has gotten a lot better. But I did have friends growing up who were like, oh, I only cheer for UK in basketball. I'm a Notre Dame football fan. Yeah. Or I'm a I'm a UK basketball I'm a Florida State football fan. I there were whenever we host Florida State in at Cardinal Stadium, there are invariably fans that are sitting around us that are, are Florida State decked out in Florida State stuff, and they're like, I actually I grew up I I cheered for UK, but I'm a Florida State football fan. I'm like you can't do that. It's not allowed. You could be like a secondary fan of Florida State or whatever, but your primary if if you are a Kentucky fan, you are a Kentucky fan of all sports, and they do kind of turn on. Football. Texas says, how much are the Reds going to have to pay Ellie this offseason? Well, he's, he's on a rookie contract. He's on a yeah, rookie deal. So, so none. So nothing. They're going to keep that deal for a little bit. He's going to be. That's why he's, people keep doing the whole, like, well, he's going to get traded. He's going to go. They're gonna, they got him for at least a couple of seasons, and they're going to have to, if they want to keep him, pay him. Yeah, the moon. Texas says, Mike, quit messing with the magic, the magic mix of our current Reds team. I'm not. I'm the one who's saying don't mess with it. But eventually they're going to have to get a starting pitcher. They didn't say Mike. Called you Michael. Michael? He was mad. I thought it was your mom texting. My daughter does that too. <laughs> Michael? Because <laughs> she hears my wife do it all the time. Uh, she calls me Mikey when I get home now. She thinks it's funny. <laughs> Good Lord. You're three. I was leaving yesterday and she, uh, I mentioned they call their grandparent, um, their, their grandfather on Mary's side, they call him Coach. And they call him Coachy, her and her, her cousin Audrey. And they had played with all these. They'd fill all these bowls up with water, and they're putting toys in it. And like, 
Tom, my father-in-law, had discovered that they had just gotten water all over our kitchen floor. So as I'm leaving, he's like, girls, he's like, he's like, you got to clean this up or we have to go outside with this. And I share Virginia. She's like, accidents happen, Coachy. She's like, she's like, it was an accident, Coach. Accidents happen, Coachy. I'm like, good Lord. This girl's just pulling all the heartstrings. She knows exactly what she's doing. Texas says, do you remember the fan that looked like Calipari at the football games that would get booed every time they put him on the big screen? <laughs> I do. This is a, yeah, Scooch, you wouldn't, you, you wouldn't know about this, but uh-huh. there was this poor guy. And it, he did, like, I, it was one of those situations, Louisville's such a small, big city, where I, like, I knew, like, 75 people that knew this guy. And he looked just like John Calipari. <laughs> and he's, he's decked out in UofL stuff. He had, like, the slick back hair, all the stuff, like, very much the same style. Looked dead up like Calipari. And they showed him in a game, and immediately the fan base recognized that this guy looked like Cal and just booed the hell out of him. <laughs> and so U of L would find him every single game and show him, and just so everyone would boo. Is right? he a U of L fan? Yes, he's yeah. like a diehard U of L guy. Hilarious. But he looks exactly like John, and maybe he doesn't anymore because this was like seven or eight years ago. But that was wonderful. That was a that was a great fan moment where he just boo the hell out of this poor guy. And he was like, "Stop putting me on the, the, the jumbotron." Uh, Texture says Abel Motorsports out of Louisville had a car in the, in the Indy 500 this year. Abel Construction Company CEO Bill Abel runs the team himself, and his son races in Indy Next, which is the series below top tier Indy car series. Great people. That's, That's fun. That is fun. I do love. I mean, the Indy 500 is awesome. Like I, even when I've I've gotten out of Indy racing and like not watching the, the circuit or anything, I still will watch the Indy 500. Going to it a few years ago was an eye opener. How fun it is, and. The thing that the Indy 500 does better than any big sporting event that I've done, like because you've got so much time to kill before people want to get in there early. It's a huge crowd. They do a great job with the entertainment in like the, the the couple of hours before the actual race. Like you've got, they'll have a parade of former champions come out and drive their cars around. They have all these different bands. There's cool stuff happening on the big screen. Like it, it is so fun. And the fact that you can bring in your your own coolers is just is mind blowing for all the seating. Yes. You can bring in coolers of alcohol and food. That is awesome. It's uh, like, unbelievable. I, I I had no idea until the first time I got my, my buddy Mark took a a group of us up there like three years ago, and it was I, I felt like I was in Amsterdam. I'm like, this is incredible. Like this, I I feel like I'm just I'm getting drunk for free. What's going on here? And I said like uh, the, the flip side of that is is Mark Titus who grew up going to the Indy 500. He told me the first time he went to the Derby. He's in line. He's trying to get through, and he's got this cooler full of beer. And they're like, "Well, you can't oh, take this no. in." He's like, "What do you mean I can't take this in?" Like, his only concept of infield and, and and that sort of life was the Indy Five Hundred, and he was he was shocked. Well, invite him back now. He he can get everything for free. He's been. I think he, it's solely his experience. Like okay. he he he's been back since, but he just he hasn't had a good time. Texas, have you all seen the quarterback thing on Netflix? No, but I really need to. What what is it? Uh, basically, it's just like a documentary following. I want to say Kirk Cousins, okay. Patrick Mahomes, and I can't recall the third one. But I, apparently, it paints Patrick Mahomes in a pretty a different light. Really, let's just say it that way. So like negative, like just trash talking people on the field, and yeah. I would watch that. I, I'm still my favorite of all the Netflix because I, I loved Last Chance. You, I am. I'm a sucker for all these sports documentaries. The QB One series, I think, is the best thing that that's been out in recent years. Where they would follow, you know, the lives of three of the best high school senior quarterbacks in America, mm-hmm. and sometimes they turned out to be like really big time players, and other times they turned out to be kind of you know, you know what other players. The most recent season had Sam Hartman on it, who is, is going to be Notre Dame's quarterback this year. They had the kid from Kentucky who ended up getting hurt so much and, and transferred, um, but it was just 
I thought it was just so well done. But I'll definitely watch this as well. Yeah, I like all those shows that they've been putting too. out lately, like the uh, the golf one, Full Swing. I've watched Breakpoint. The tennis one's tennis really one. good. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll I'll definitely check out the quarterback one. But yeah, apparently at one point you've got Mahomes. I guess he throws a touchdown pass and goes up to one of the defenders, and he was like, "You woke up the wrong mother bleeper." Just well, like, I mean that's, that's I mean that's it's that's he, fine. It, yeah, I, I, I'm good with it. So I'm excited to see it. I love Patrick Mahomes. I, I will definitely yeah. I'm the target audience for those. It's Mariota's the third one. Oh yeah, gross. Yeah, I know. But like I, I will it, as many of these as they put out, I will watch all of them. I, I, I don't I don't care what people say. I, I love them. Texas says, "What number uh, on that what ifs is does if Tim Duncan doesn't walk? Well, he did walk, and he's even called for it, but it, it was more than twenty five years ago." <laughs> Texas says, "Rookie contracts are for six years. Ellie isn't going anywhere." Yeah, we're good. Texas says, "Does Rhett Loader start for the Red Legs in July, or do they wait until August?" I mean, he's not starting at all. I don't. I don't think so. I mean, hell, I mean, our fifth starter right now is just a rotating band of merry band of misfits. Yeah. So maybe I don't. I, who knows? I saw that the the Reds have fifty wins. Guess how many different pitchers have picked up a victory for them this season? Out of fifty, let's go with like thirty four. Twenty four. Oh. which is great. Different pitchers. That's, That's pretty crazy. Outrageous. Uh, but they are. Yeah, they they're definitely trying. By to the way, their win total is only sixty five and a half. So. Uh, Pretty uh, nice being 16 away at the All Star break. Yeah, I mean they, <laughs> so they won when they won their 50th the other day. They were I was watching the broadcast and they're talking about they won their 50th on August 27th last year, which was my birthday. And they at that point they were 25 games under 500. So I was like, yeah, it's a nice little turnaround. Texas, it's National Friday. Fry Day. Name the best fast food fries. I mean, it's still McDonald's. I hate to say it. It's it's a boring answer. They have the best fast food fries. Does like no, I'm going with like uh, raisin canes or Zaxby's for sure. Really? Yeah, raisin canes fries. I, suck. I said this morning that crinkle cut fries are the best type of fries, oh, which I, I could not disagree. I, more. I got some heat for that, so yeah, you're you're not alone in disagreeing that's, with me. No, there, that, but. those are that, that's awful. Those, those are that's a bottom tier fry right there. <laughs> I just disagree. I I disagree wholeheartedly. That's, that's What's your favorite type of fry? <sighs> you're probably a shoestring guy. I, I I do like shoestring fries. I mean, I what, like what are McDonald's fries classified as? Like regular? I would say those are shoestring. Do you think there's a shoestring? Yeah, they're okay. a little skinny. I mean, I like curly fries too. I like a good Jaggers has really good fries. Um, I like those a lot. I do like the steak and shake. The they're plain. No, I hate them. I like. I mean, you get enough. You get enough. You if you get the if there, you get like the cheese cup on the side, they're good. Yeah, I I do like their chili cheese fries as well. Oh, Texter has the right answer. Rally's fries is the right answer, but Rally's fries are good. I don't trust Rally's anymore. Haven't eaten Rally's in about six or seven years, so I couldn't tell you the last time I've been to a Rally's. Don't. If I can give you one piece of advice today, Mike, do not go to any Rally's in this area. Trust me. <laughs> I don't want to know why you're saying that. I've, 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 I used to talk. I was used to be real friendly with one of the uh, bug guys that we came, had come into the hotel every so often <laughs> to spray around, and I would always just quiz him on like what were the grossest places, and he said, yeah, Rally's is okay. no good. <laughs> he said, none of them in this area are any good. Well, that's that's not comforting. Uh, KFC fries, we have a vote for that on the text line. Those are good. I don't think I've ever had KFC Those fries. are pretty good. I couldn't say the last time I've been to a KFC, but Jaggers are... Texas Jaggers fries are top tier. Jaggers fries are, are really good. We got that this morning as well. I like, I mean, Arby's curly fries, I feel like are delicious for the first couple, and then you just get like 
they're, they're too full. Like, they're too much. But Texas says the man is correct about the rallies. They're so hit or miss, mostly miss. Well, now I'm never going to a rallies ever again after just hearing No, that. don't. I just, do not. The, the despair in your voice. Is just, I'm just telling you, do not. He he told me some stories, and it really gave me the heebie-jeebies. All right. Uh, we, which was disappointing, because I really like rallies. Well, we've got no MLB games tonight, unbeknownst to me, which sucks. But we do have, <laughs> I mean, I, I guess we UK versus Canada uh, game tonight in the Global Jam. You, the women are playing right now. UofL women are playing right now. Do we think UK gets the 2-0? and Two more wins than John Calipari was forecasting before this thing started. Scoots, what says you? I uh, I do think they get to two and zero. I think they pick up a narrow seven point win. I'm gonna say they win. I'm gonna say it's close. They, they win by five. A little bit closer than you think. Question is, will USA women pull it off? They're down twenty five eighteen. Are they right with like first quarters nearly coming to an end? Don't like that. Uh, you can watch the rest of that game on CBS Sports Network. Uh, enjoy your Thursday night. Let's go Cards. Let's beat Let's beat Canada, and then Canada. Let's beat UK. We'll see you guys back here tomorrow at three. Part of a little bitty scheme. It's all right to be a little bit.